Hey guys and welcome back to the channel. We have a live Roland Garros 2023 review and Q&A and it's, yes, you guessed it, it's with the Quantity Shot Tennis team. Not all of us, but most of us. So a pretty good turnout. We've got David, Anthony and Pat all the way from Australia, 5am there. So uh, definitely shout out to you as well. How are you all doing? Very well, very well. Yeah, doing good, doing good. Not too bad. Good, good. Coming from uh, all different parts of... In fact, we're all in different countries, so that's great. Uh, really international, the channel at the moment. Which yeah, it's is great to hear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so what we'll do is we're going to do a, a review of the WTA side first and the ATP side. And then uh, for people who are tuning in as well, and I'll put it in the comment section as well, in the live chat, that anyone who uh, wants to ask questions, if their questions are related to what we're talking about, we'll go through those questions as we're speaking. Otherwise... Uh, feel free to chuck any questions you have in the comment section and we will address them at the end. We'll, do, we'll leave some time at the end to answer everyone's questions and get to everyone, of course, as long as they're not duplicates. Uh, show up in the chat saying, welcome all panellists. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like a talk show host. Um, but yeah, I feel like that at the moment. Okay, so we start off with the WTA then because uh, Igor Sviontek, of course, dominant uh, Roland Garros again. I mean, that's not a new story it's just a repeat of last year really uh, but came up against unlikely opponent in Mukova in the final I think everyone was expecting to be Sabalenka who played a pretty epic match with Mukova in the in the semi-finals um, what do you guys think I mean quickly actually we'll just go around I mean what, did you guys all pick Sviontek in your uh, in your brackets in your predictions like we'll go David Anthony and then Pat I mean, who else could you pick apart from Sviontek? I mean, she's just unmatched on clay, even though there was a bit of a hiccup in losing. But Madrid are different conditions, isn't it? Definitely different conditions. And um, you just can't doubt Sviontek at Roland Garros at this point. She backed it up with all the pressure on her last year and done it once again. Uh, yeah, I mean, who else was there to pick? in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, agreed. No, I think the Madrid point is is really important as well because I think Madrid, obviously, quicker surface with the altitude and she beat her Madrid. We didn't get to see what would have happened, but I imagine it would have been a bit of a different match anyway. Um, Anthony's back. Anthony, did you pick Sviantec yeah. as your winner? Sviantec as my winner. Um, yeah, she was definitely the big favourite going in. It's hard to bet against uh, Sviantec for sure. I mean... Everything she's done, um, just even though Sabalenka won in, what was it, Madrid, even though um, Rabakna won in Rome, uh, Madrid obviously played a bit faster, you know, high altitude. It was it was good conditions for Sabalenka, but I definitely had Iga for myself, for sure. Hard to bet against her. Pat, how about you? Yeah, yeah, very much the same. Like, I did have slight concern, you know, after with the withdrawal or the uh, from, uh, from Rome with Rabakna. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca, but I think, you know, I thought as well, that was just a bit of a, you know, save myself for Roland Garros, which uh, she did indeed. So she pulled through. Yeah, no, agreed. I think, yeah, there was definitely some, yeah, some question marks around that thigh injury, but she just dispelled those uh, worries and said, look, I'm fine. And I think maybe a clever option on her part, I think a lot of people nowadays pushing themselves to the limit in tournaments that maybe are important, but let's be honest, the pinnacle of the sport is the Grand Slam. So uh, that's mm. where people want to win titles at the top at the top level. So she clearly knew 
what was important to her. She got it done. Uh, what did you guys think, actually? I mean, we'll not talk about Sharon Tech too much because I think everyone knows how good she is. And she has won her third Roland Garros title for Slam. She's gone back to back at Roland Garros for the first time since Justine Hennen as well. Which mm -hmm. is obviously really impressive, which I think it was 2005, 2006. She won it three times in a row. I think between 2004 and 2006 it was. And, you know, it just shows that on the WTA tour, it's very hard to defend Grand Slams. There's not many people that have done it. Serena's obviously one that has, but there haven't been a huge amount in the last five to ten years. Uh, clearly, really dominant on the surface. Uh, so I just want to go around and get an idea of what you guys think. Going forward, one, on how many... French Open titles, you think she can win? And two, what do you think of her level? Especially in that final as well. Like, she showed a bit of nerves, Mukova, you know, she had, she was serving um, as well. She was serving for the set, for the match even at one point. I didn't manage to close it out, got flipped. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, the final and also her clay court prowess going forward? Like, how many times do you think she could win? Uh, we'll go Pat, David, Anthony, because that's what it's like on the screen now. <laughs> no worries. How many how many Iga will win at Roland Garros? Oh. Yeah. She's she's still young. Like she's still what 22? Yeah, 22. Yeah, 22. And she's got about you know 15 years say. That's going to be at least 10. I think uh, it's going to be I'm going to say 12. I'm going to oh I'm going to say 11. I think it's going to be huge. Oh wow. I like it. Okay, David. Um I mean, everyone's going to say the same kind of thing about uh, you can't really predict injuries or different players coming through. Like, it could be a third for virtue of a sister that's like eight right now that's going to win <laughs> seven years. But, um, yeah, I, you can't really see um, Rafa numbers because Rafa numbers are never going to be hit a slam by anyone. Um, Ooh, so she's already won three. I'd be inclined to say something about nine, nine or ten. Nine or ten. Big yeah, numbers. those are good. Uh, it's just, I, I, I will say, um, just a preface, I'll go just a tiny bit different and say that I think we've been a little bit spoiled by Rafa's 14 and how absolutely benign that number is. I think Sviatek is a clay, like, kind of, it's amazing what she does on the surface. I think she's going to win a ridiculous number of Roland Garros's, but I think we're all inclined a little bit to say that high of a number because we just saw kind of Rafa's amazing kind of numbers there. But it's it's looking great for her for sure. Um, I I'd be willing to say that she could win seven or eight. I, I don't want to go above that number, but for me, I would say seven or eight. She's still young, and I I think she's going to win a lot. I don't want to go 13, 14, but I'll go seven or seven or eight, which is amazing still. No, I actually, I'm inclined to agree with you, Anthony, just because yeah. I think the thing is she could definitely do it. Like she could get to the 10, yes. 11, yeah. um, but, or even beyond maybe, who knows? But as you said, like, the Rafa, you know, it's just so hard year in, year out to do that. And the fact that yeah. nobody's defended it until now, uh, it, until, well, the last anyway, what is it? 20 years anyway, is, is pretty impressive of course and she's clearly very good on the surface but the other girls are going to catch up at some point and I think David was saying that you know there's going to be people in the wings that these prodigies coming through and you just you, just, you can't predict the future it's impossible and I feel yeah. like on the women's side there's a bit more uh, unpredictability sometimes 
Um, although recently, actually, you could argue it's more on the men's side, to be honest, because there's been three girls on the, on the women's side who have dominated, Rabakina, Sabalenka, and Shviontek. Um, But I also do think, for example, someone like Grachika, it's a shame she's in really bad form because she was actually meant to play Shviontek in the round of 16. She's got a good record against Shviontek in the last few matches on hardcore, albeit, but she's a Rolling Girls champion in 2021. People forget that. So that would have been a good match. I don't know how that, that one would have gone as well. And she didn't get to face Sabalenka in the finals. So uh, she played a really spirited Mukova, uh, who in the end, you know, performed really well. And uh, yeah, I mean, let's see. I wasn't actually... I thought she's incredible on the surface. She's an incredible player, Shvontek. And it just shows that she played probably her B-level standard and she still won the title. I don't think she played that well. Um, I know David was saying in the final he was raging about her serving. She didn't play that well. She didn't. like In all honesty, she didn't play that well. Um, against Haddon Mayer as well in that second set tiebreaker. Haddon Mayer had set, uh, set points in that tiebreaker. Could have taken it to three. I don't know what way that goes then. She hasn't been pushed that much for Yontek, really. Uh, and most of the three-set matches she's played, which are a handful, she's lost them because she normally destroys people, bagels and breadsticks them. That wasn't really the case as much at the, in this Roland Garros. Um, wasn't as dominant, I didn't think. So... Whether that's a case of, you know, she might have a slight niggle or just form-wise, doesn't really matter. She still won. She got it done. And maybe mm. she needs, maybe she does raise her level um, if, for example, she plays someone who's playing a better level and then she matches that or goes beyond it. So sometimes that happens as well. Like Novak won Wimbledon last year, um, I think playing a B-level standard as well, um, in honesty. So um, I, I think some of these great players can do that. Uh, so, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, some, actually, there's some comments and questions here on Eager, so we can address those. Uh, Matthew's saying, Eager looked more beatable this year. I can foresee challenges coming her way in the near future, which I think is probably in line with what, um, yeah, a lot of us were saying. But she could also get better. And I think that the biggest thing for me, I don't know what you guys um, think, but I think her net game is really average right now. Really, really yeah. average. If she were to improve that on top of her serve as well, which I think has been a bit inconsistent, those two things are going to be massive in terms of her longevity in the sport. Like she's got all the like defensive capabilities, the massive forehand, she has really, really solid backhand as well. Her movement's like phenomenal for the most part, especially on clay, we know. Uh, and she's got good, she's got a very good head on her shoulders as well. She's always looking to improve. And her net game isn't great, but the good thing that I've seen from her is that she isn't scared to come forward so she'll still do it like she's like i need to work on this i need to add this to my game so she'll do it and she'll look a bit awkward at times of the net but the only way she's going to improve is by doing that but she needs a bit more coaching i think in that and she will get there and if she does add that to her game like rafa did then longer term it's going to be great not just on clay but on all surfaces and, and that's for example also um a way to her for her to win wimbledon as well as to add that type of um, you know, f asset to her game, I think. So, uh, well, what do you guys think on that tree as well? Um, if any of you have got comments on that. Now, David, go on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think with Iga um, saying about her net game, I, I don't know if she has the transition game quite yet because her ground strokes are just so good. She's not used to having to come in off anything because she hits straight winners. So, um, I, I agree with you that um, if if it was just more natural, just she could, it was just kind of a just movement, the backhand, and then just coming in off it, putting a nice volley away. It could definitely revolutionize like her game. She could be even more dominant. 
I don't know how foreseeable it is in the next maybe six months or it, it would definitely take some time. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, yeah, and to add to your point, I mean, I think Rabakna and Sabalinka actually being the power hitters that they are and like how what kind of a tier of play that they brought to the table as opposed to players did last year when Sviatek was dominating. I think that's forced her to need to uh, try to play more aggressively and hit winners, push those players back and come to net more. And I think also, um, tied to what you were saying, Faison, is that I think um, the net game is a, a, she's she's willing to work on the net game, and that's the mo- actually the most encouraging thing to me about Sviantec is that she's willing to work on stuff. I remember at United Cup this year, she said, "I'm working on my serve." She she wasn't talking about how good she's playing. She was like, "You know, I played really well today, but I need to work on my serve." So she knows she has stuff to work on, and I think she's willing to work at those things. And she won Roland Garros not playing at her best level, which you could see as like, okay, well, she's not going to be this perfect superhuman Rafa type character on the woman's side, but she could be like, she could still play, um, she could still play a high level even and uh, figure it out even when she's not playing her best, which is something that I think is encouraging. And going forward, if she does bring her best level, then everybody needs to watch out because she finds a way at Roland Garros even when she doesn't bring it. So those are a few encouraging signs I see with Sviantec for sure. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And uh, Shob says here, Igor Shunta will probably win eight Roland Garros titles, which is similar to what me and Anthony yeah. saying, I think, um, as well, in line with that, I guess. Um, to finish up on on her then as well, I mean, yeah, we, we've said that, you know, there's a few improvements and her level wasn't maybe at the best, but clearly, you know, it's a sign of, I think, greatness when you don't play your best level and you still manage to win a slam, which is yeah. what most people, most pro players' targets are, right, in their career. Um, going forward, and obviously it's very, very tough to say uh, I think that given that it's the grass season obviously is coming up pretty soon and we don't know what she's going to play but we were talking about the volley game the serve game how do you guys as early like looking ahead how do you see her doing at Wimbledon and is she a comp- is she someone who we should think about being a competitor it's a completely different surface but given her form given how you know, she's now adding to her game. She's won number one. She's going to be seeded really highly. She hasn't had the best like performances at Wimbledon, and I guess she's always been pretty mm-hmm. tired, given that she's tended to come off really long clay court seasons, winning running Garros, making going deep, similar to what Rafa had. Rafa's only won two Wimbledons. Um, I think it's safe to say he might have won one or two more if he hadn't gone and won 14 running Garros titles. Um, but yeah, what do you guys think? How does her game translate onto the grass? Is she going to be competitive or is it a Sabalenka, Rabakina, Jabur, those guys, kind of your tier one and she's actually maybe just hovering a bit below? We'll go, should we go Pat first? Yeah, I'm just, um, I'm thinking about it. Like I'm looking through her last, she's only played three Wimbledon's, 2019 first round, 2021, fourth round, 2022 third round. So yet to go past the fourth round, it makes me think, you know, Wimbledon brings out, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger weapons um, in serving and, uh, you know, plus one shots. Yes, Eager does have, you know, some decent plus one shots on. Um, but when it comes to Wimbledon, I think there'll be other power players, um, you know, such like Sabalenka, Jabur. I'm waiting to see her capacity, um, what her capabilities bring to the table. Um, but yeah, I'm sort of in uh, two minds at the moment, but I'll pass it on to see if anyone else can uh, bring something up. Well, go on. Who wants to go first? 
Um, yeah, so I, I think that, uh, I think that she still needs, um, she still needs time until we see, a, a, until we see an Iga Shriantek Wimbledon champion. That's, that's where I'm at. And I think that is always hard to kind of come out of the blue and kind of have a super deep run. If you haven't made a deep run at that same tournament before, I think a lot of people, just my personal kind of what I've seen, I, I always put a lot of weight on how a person has done at a specific tournament before. And I think that a lot of people uh, tend to only think about surfaces and all of these things, but I think how they've played out a specific tournament really adds to their confidence levels. Among other things, I think the fact that she hasn't made a, uh, I think even a semifinal, maybe even a quarterfinal, I, yeah, I think that will take yeah. away. Yeah, I, th I, I think that'll take away from her, um, her, uh, her confidence going forward. She could push through to a semi, but it would take a lot to push already for a champion. And um, yeah, I'd like to see her game grow. Uh, maybe next year she could pull off a huge run. I'm a little bit, I'd be a little bit surprised if it's this year. I would have Sabalinka, Rabakna, and also uh, to Pat's point, Shabora as well, I think is somebody who's going to pick up her level for the grass. We saw her Wimbledon final last year in three sets, lose the final. I think her game's great for grass. And uh, those would be three players I would put over Shviantek for this year's Wimbledon. So, so for me, um, everyone, it's like every year you hear the same things about Shiontek. Oh, she won Junior Wimbledon. Uh, she should be good on grass, but it's not really how anything translates ever. Um, I think it's it's a lot of movement-based things with Iga on grass. Like the way Elise Cornade kind of took her apart in that third round is pretty scary. Um, and I think she's going to have to... Not sure if she's um, in line to play Birmingham or Eastbourne. Um, she's she's gonna have to commit to playing on grass before Wimbledon if she's to have um, any success in the near future. That's just my my take on it. No, no, I agree. I mean, last year you made a really good point, David, that she she went into that Wimbledon tournament with zero matches under her belt on grass and. That's because I think the schedules were a little bit tighter. I think she's got a bit more time now. Uh, this year, I think uh, Wimbledon's a bit later. So hopefully she does play a tournament at least, which would be good. You know, if she gets two matches under her belt, like it's a, it's, a, it's a big advantage. And yeah, I think it's the movement is the key for me, the movement. Um, I think she really struggles um, to move uh, super well on the grass. It's a big transition, of course, from clay. And then also, I think the low bouncing ball her forehand it looks a bit awkward like in that match against Cornet, it looked very awkward in the first match she played as, as well i think it was against i want to say yana fett in the first round and um, her forehand looked very very awkward like just trying to take it that low um, it just looked like she just wasn't timing the ball well because she was just in clay court mode um basically and um, mm. i'm hoping that she does get a bit more practice uh, in and she can adapt a bit better but we'll see how she gets on but yeah i agree i don't think she's i think she's just below those three that we were talking about um for sure okay let's get to a couple of these comments and questions and then we can move on to uh some more of the uh, wta topics as well um hassan saying here let's not forget novak has 10 australian open titles despite his insane dominance there 10 titles in a slam is incredible so I agree with fazan and anthony getting to 10 will be very tricky for her and Dutchie says, I'm thinking Ia could go far at Wimbledon if she gets a good draw. That's the other thing, I guess, as well. If she gets a very, very, very easy draw, um, then 
maybe she builds some confidence that way. It can happen and build up some steam, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh, Hassan says, also, women's tennis is best of three, even in slams. That always makes those random upsets more probable, too. That's a good point, I guess. Uh, we see, of course, in the men's game with the best of three, it's a lot more open. People are more beatable rather than best of five. Uh, maybe a question for later is about the women's and people talking a lot about moving it to best of five in slams. We can, talk, we can maybe touch on that later, get your guys' opinions on that. Uh, and Hassan saying, serve is a big question mark for Eager. To me, she's also going to be vulnerable in the first weeks. When the glass is when the grass is slippery and lower bouncing, forehand also not ideal for grass at the moment. Thoughts? Yeah, I think we 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 all agreed on that. We all agree on that. Um, the shaking of the head, I think, tells me that. So, <laughs> so but yeah, if you guys disagree, let me know. Cool. Okay. On in terms of um, other bits on the WTA side, I think we can talk about um, Mukova. I mean, what did any of you predict her going particularly far in the tournament? Because I did not. I had her potentially beating Sakari, but. Uh, she obviously looked good last year. She beat Zachary as well. Um, I had her maybe going round of 16, maybe, but I didn't see her beating Sabalenka, for example, in the semifinals. And she had an incredible run. And given that, you know, she was told by doctors she might not even be able to play tennis, they were advising her to stop. Uh, the fact that she's then come into this tournament and she wasn't very far off winning, in all honesty, in that final uh, is, a, is a massive, massive accomplishment. So. Uh, yes, not the winner, but it's a big, big step in the right direction for her career. Uh, she was playing futures tournaments like a year, year and a half ago. Um, so, or challengers, sorry, even. So, look, I mean, she's now in a position where she's a Grand Slam finalist and she's going to rock it through the rankings. Uh, and her game looks really easy on the eye. And I think it's really exciting. I think she's going to have a good game for grass and for hardcore as well. I think she's got a pretty versatile game. Um, should we go around? Uh, let's go. Should we go Anthony, David, Pat? We're a different order. Okay. Uh, what, what did you guys think of Mukova this uh, tournament? Were you surprised or actually? Yeah, I was, you, I was very cool? surprised. I saw people like on Twitter going Mukova has, Sakura has Mukova in the first round. Sakura has no chance. And I'm just somebody who's like, I'm kind of a Sakura fan, but I'm also kind of high on Sakura. I was like, you're counting around the first round. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, I was like, come on, <laughs> ups for my girl Sakri, that's wild. And then and then she gets loses in the first round. I I mean, I, I've seen Mukuba play before. I wasn't expecting her to make the final. She would have been ecstatic to make the semifinal, maybe even quarters, but especially a semifinal. And then she makes an amazing comeback in the third high level three setter in the third set against Sablinka in the semifinals. And then uh saves a match point as well. Playing amazing tennis, great comeback there. Sabalenka probably, obviously, could have done better to finish it off, but Mukova hung, hung tough. And then the final, she was what set in three zero down, came back versus Fiontech, was like at four four break point that third surfer or something up in that third set, and um, yeah, it's just wild. So I definitely didn't expect it, but I'm excited to see what she looks like on grass. It was an amazing tournament for her. We always look at the winners, not the finalists, but. This is one final run that you have to you have to keep in mind because that was amazing for Mukova, for sure. No, I agree. David, what do you think? Well, I mean, when I made my predictions, I had Sakari through, so I didn't <laughs> yeah. call it at all. But um, Mukova was definitely on my radar with the the run she made, um, the three hardcore masters in a row, Dubai, Indian Wells, Miami, um, beating some good players, making some deep runs. But then... She didn't do much. Um, Madrid, I was, yeah, just a bit of a shock seeing her go this far in Paris, but she's really brought her A-game. Um, and, I mean, <laughs> her slice is just ridiculous. Just 
everything she can do in the court is just she's weapons everywhere and um and she takes eager to her first ever three set grand slam final like not orange jabur couldn't do that um was it sophia kennan 2020 no one could take um eager to that kind of dangerous place where she feels really nervous and she did that she made eager nervous so that's that's a that's a big accomplishment in itself even if that was in a um, earlier round of a smaller tournament. Making Egan nervous is a big thing. Yeah, agreed. Pat, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking, and I was listening to, you know, a couple of podcasts pre-RG. Uh, I heard Mukova saying, you know, potential finalists. And I think this was on like an American podcast. Wow. And, you know... Kudos to them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they got, you know, some success out of that. I'm sure they got a few more listeners from that. Um but yeah, I, I think I was looking at her draw as well. And after Sakura, I thought that would be a 50-50. You know, I was reading more and more on Mukova pre-first round. I thought, you know, yeah, it might be 50-50 and Mukova, you know, won in a close match. And then, you know, she didn't really face... She faced Begu in the third round. That was the 27th seed. Other than that, like, she didn't face a seed until Sabalenka in the uh, semifinal. So that shows what happens, you know, with draws and... I'm sure she got like a bit of a favorable favorable draw from other upsets throughout the uh, second, third, fourth rounds, um, quarterfinals included. And uh, yeah, I was looking at her Wimbledon as well. She's actually made two quarterfinals in 2019 and 2021. So that's something I definitely discounted before two minutes ago. Um, so it'd be interesting. I'm not sure what her expectations are, um, but I'm sure she's on a confidence booster right now. Agreed. I think if she's fit and healthy and she recovers well i think she is in that tier two tier three like level i think um she's not tier one i don't think with sabalink and rabakina uh but she will be a threat i don't think anyone want her in the draw and mm. as david said her slice is so good and on clay it was pretty effective which in all honesty and if anyone listens to my commentary i go absolutely ballistic when people slice a lot on the clay i'm like this is ridiculous like what are you doing <laughs> Uh, you're you know, you're going to get eaten alive. Like Dimitrov was doing it, I think, against Zverev. And I was like, this is a shocker. Like he's, he was getting like, dismantled by Zverev at the time. Um, I, I just think, you know, on the clay, unless it's a slice with a lot of pace, lower than that, deep, and you know, you're moving your really around. Good. Exactly. It's got to be really good. 100%. Like there's no room for error on it. If, there, if it's just a, a, an inch a bit too short, a bit too much air, not enough pace, it normally just sits up. Um, and the opponent normally just like punishes you big time. And we saw it a lot in Roland Garros. Players with weak backhands, they get exposed if they're not able to run around their backhand with um, good enough movement. So I think that slice, though, in Wimbledon is going to be a killer. It's going to be an absolute killer, especially the slice down the line. There's not many people on the men's or women's tour, really, who can slice down the line with that much accuracy and proficiency. Um, like, it, it's not easy it's not easy and all of us i think play tennis to some sort of level i think anthony a bit, bit better than all of us but um like slicing down the line yeah, it, it, it's tough man i mean when i when i hit a good slice on the line i'm like oh like, yeah, yeah. and then, then next year i'm too busy admiring it and it's a forehand cross court winner but you know either way um it's just you know i'm, I'm like it's tough it's, it's not easy and to hit it consistently like she does as well and she's got all the tools like she's got good good drop shot she can hit aces she can serve big i think uh, like a lot of, I guess, uh, people on tour, though, herself can be a little bit more consistent. But she's good at the net. I like that she comes forward. That's a real big plus as well. 
And uh, she's got weapons, forehand and backhand. Her backhand and forehand on the line, uh, really, really good. And she actually hits it a little bit flatter than maybe um, people would expect, say, on clay. So on the grass, I think she's going to have success. And she's got confidence, clearly. So uh, one to watch out for. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how she gets on. Uh, Matthew here, though, with an interesting comment saying, Mukova has not been used to this type of Grand Slam run. I question whether she can back it up at Wimbledon. Also, a lot more expectation on her shoulders. Yeah, good point about the pressure, although Pat made a good point. She's made two quarterfinals at Wimbledon, so she clearly knows how to at least get to the second week. Uh, the question for her will be, you know, can she go one step further, make a semi-final, or even push on beyond that? But I think quarterfinals is probably what people's expectations are, is like a minimum given what she's done, uh, and if she's fit anyway. And Better hopefully she gets draw. a couple of matches. Mm-hmm. Exactly. The draw's big. The draw is big. I wonder where she's what she's going to be seeded like, actually. Um, I'm not 100% sure, so that'll be interesting to see. I'm sure there'll be a, a little bit of movement in the rankings before Wimbledon, so interesting to see how that gets on. Um, hopefully, I just, if I could, and hopefully she's like mentally can prepare after such a big emotional Grand Slam run that she can be like, I'm kind of will, I'm kind of am able to do another one because it was such a heartbreaker in the final. So that's something I would look out for as well. Yeah, agreed. I think Andre Jabir did that really well last year. She made the final Wimbledon, which probably went into it the favourite. Like, a lot of people, including myself, thought she was going to win it. Lost in three sets. She knew it was a big chance. Obviously, in hindsight, you look at that and say, well, Rebecca, she made the final Australian Open. She's one of the top players this year. So it doesn't look like a bad loss now. But at the time, it looked like, oh, she was a big favourite. Uh, but then made the final at the US Open, bounced back, obviously lost that. But the fact that she managed to at least get there shows that mentally she was still like, no, I can do this. Uh, so hopefully yeah, Mukova's in the same mindset. Um, she she sounded pretty good, I think, after uh, the final. Obviously disappointed, but I think she's almost in the mindset of, I've got really nothing to lose. Like six months ago, people were saying I couldn't play. I'm just happy to play. I'm just going to go out there and enjoy it. And I'm I'm going to compete to the, the highest ability that I can. So hopefully that continues because she's definitely an exciting player. And I hope she's playing her best. Yeah. Um, tennis and somebody with somebody with nothing to lose. That's dangerous. So exactly. hundred percent. A hundred percent. Okay. Sh- what we'll do is we'll touch upon a few other things and we'll move on to the ATP. I think if we can go around, I want you guys to give me one player that underperformed the most for you. Um, at the tournament, so I'm not going to say who was the biggest failure because that's a bit harsh, but who underperformed the most at the tournament for you on the WTA side? Um, who wants to go first? Who's keen? Who has, has someone in mind? I've not got a good one, so oh, Pat's got one. Pat's power's like quick one. Oh, I was going to say David's got a cheeky smile there, but he wanted to say <laughs> someone and rat someone out, but I can uh, I can do that. I've put Barbara Kodrikova. Um, out in the first round, lost straight sets to Serenko. Um, and yeah, that was pretty much my number one. Um, yeah. Just uh, unfortunate to see you know, a champion go out so early. Um, I'm not sure how she'll go, you know, in the next Roland Garros. I don't think Roland Garros was a, you know, was a complete fluke when she, when she right. did in 2021. Yes, she was, uh, you know, underrated and, you know, odd, the bookies I'm sure had her in the hundreds, but that was a really breakthrough year. I, I think she'll be back um, as a contender, but yeah, shame to see her go out first round. Yeah, back-to-back first rounds from yeah. twice way one. It's not great, is it? Hmm. No. Yeah. No, no. Not good. Right, Anthony, David, who you guys got? 
So I have uh, Jessica Pagula, and she was never like the top favorite on clay, but she lost in the third round. She beat, uh, what was Daniel Collins, then uh, Camila Georgie, and then the third round just loses an easy kind of weird straight sets match to Elise Mertens. And it was very strange to me. And I was just like, I was expecting her to at least make quarters, maybe even mm. a run to the semifinals. And uh, she came in as the third seed, had a few good results. You know, I was hoping for something from her. Um, and then a very different answer, but um, the draw really opened up, I believe, in like the bottom section, bottom quarter. And uh, and it was um, some point in the draw. And it was uh, Layla Fernandez who yeah. lost in the second round to uh, – I'm blanking on who it was too. But Layla Fernandez lost a C- match in the second Talson. round. She easily could have Clara, lost to. Clara Tolson. Yeah, Claire yeah. Townsend. That's Another it. Good, and I, uh, and I was – I would. she reached quarterfinals last year, and I thought it was a great chance for her to – defend quarterfinals and that's a player who i'm hoping mm-hmm. really kind of steps up because she is talented and she does have a great mentality i feel like very crafty player so but yeah she just didn't take her chance so kind of two different answers from me but those were two players who i was disappointed with yeah i think pagula that was an interesting one but i clearly not a good matchup she's never beaten least mertens i think now it's three nils the head-to-head yeah, three zero so, so it's think, a bit yeah. of a weird weird one there right. because you'd expect her to be able to beat her but clee doesn't like the style and then yeah, Leila Fernandez. Look, she's she's got a really good clay court game. Uh, she should yeah. be going deeper. Uh, so a bit of a shame, I think, that she didn't go uh, deeper. But she played a, a talented youngster as well, someone who has right. gone on, under the radar a little bit. So I, I wasn't too disheartened by that because she's also quite good, Clara Torson as well. I think she's gonna she's gonna have a breakthrough at some point. Uh, but yeah, definitely expect bigger things from. Her. I think. Uh, yeah, Dutchy said here, I'm thinking Leila and Bianca, they play good in doubles. Bianca Andrescu is someone who I had pretty high hopes for. I think I, I like her style of play, so maybe a bit of bias there, but she beat Azarenka in the first round. I did the commentary for it, and I was like, okay, she lost the first set, and I thought this doesn't look good. But then she looked pretty good in the second and third set. I thought maybe she's got to grips with the surface because she's not played a lot of clay court tennis in her career, uh, mainly because of injuries, and she's obviously still quite young. Uh, but I thought, okay, she's moving a bit better. She's not slicing as much she's starting to get a feel of how to play on clay and i thought that might translate through to the rest of the tournament she played one in the second round beat navarro in straight sets then lost lost to serenko like double breadsticked that was really weird um so yeah that was one that i think you know definitely like she should be doing better on clay she's got the game for it she's got the defensive capabilities um a bit weird that she's not been able to translate uh, that translate that into wins, um, at least consistent wins on the surface, but maybe going forward in the future, she'll be able to. And yeah, I mean, it's hard to disagree with Pat on Krachikova. I think, you know, I would have gone for that. She's just uh, a massive shame. And I was really hoping she was going to play Shriantek, but we never ever get all the matchups you want uh, when the draw comes out. It's just the way it is. Uh, David, what was yours? Um, well, I got on my notes before about um, Shriantek, how the draw kind of opened up nicely because... Um... Um, when I saw the draw initially, when it was uh, announced, I thought, oh, Krishikova fourth rounds or Andrescu fourth round or even Azarenka fourth round. All these people, they never showed up at all, really, as well as Pagula. Um, yeah, because she's been consistent making quarterfinals, four or five last slams, and then she goes out in the third round. It's just a bit of a, bit of a whimper against someone who just... Elise Mertens, she has her moments, but you'd expect someone of Pagula's kind of standard and 
consistency. As well. And I, I thought you were going to mention her, Fazan, but Kaolin Garcia. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. but you know what? I, I don't think it's just. I, I don't think that's an underperformer because I was expecting it. Like I, I just didn't expect her to do anything. And, and I know I got a bit of uh, not hate, but I think you know a bit of a bit of pushback when I did my power ranking, my final power rankings. People were like, what about Caroline Garcia? She's French. You know, she she's French. Like she, yeah, she's French. Yeah, she's going to play in Paris, <laughs> home crowd. Like, why is she not going to do well? And I said, look, her form has been really bad, and she's admitted herself. She doesn't know what's going on. She's just. She's struggling out there mentally. It's it's not piecing together for her. And I actually think Clay's her worst surface, despite obviously playing on it a lot growing up, I would imagine. She's much better on... And I think she will be a lot better at Wimbledon. I think... I'm hoping she'll re- rediscover her form there. And on the quicker surfaces, she's just always better. Made a semifinals of the US Open, which is a bit of a slower uh, hardcore, you might argue, but it's getting quicker year on year. So, yeah, I just think she likes to come forward. She likes to serve and volley at times as well. Uh, she likes to transition. Uh, she steps way within the baseline for second serve return. She plays an aggressive style of tennis. Doesn't translate well onto clay, and she's not in good form. So it was just a, it's just a perfect storm, really. So uh, w- yeah, I mean, finals curse as well with that one. I, I would yeah. say as well. So. Yeah, Muguruza yeah. is not even playing at the moment. She's yeah. taking a break, and then obviously, who is it? Contivate as well as like yeah, Svid- Svidalina kind of. I don't, I don't know. Stop for a while. Yeah. It's crazy. So- it's just yeah, WTA finals. Yeah, that's why Shvante Delivery didn't win it on purpose, just to let um, <laughs> everyone else get touched by that. But yeah, no, an interesting one. But look, I mean, all the people you mentioned, I think if you're fans of those in the chat, do not be disheartened. It's more because we expect them to do better. That's why they've underperformed. Not that they're just rubbish players and we're like you're not very good. It's as a case of like we just think they can do better in the surface. Um, and then maybe one overachiever. I think Mukova's a, a given, so let's not go for her. Um, I, I, I'm happy to go first. I think um, Haddad Meyer, I mean, is is a pretty easy one. She went to semifinals, um, played some really good tennis, beat Ons Jabeur in the quarterfinal, where she looked like she was going to be down and out. Lost the first set, second set tiebreaker. She was actually a breakdown in that. And ironically, not only did she come back in that game, she was down in four of her matches before then. And she came back in all four. And I, I, I've had, I actually had the score lines when I did the preview um, for the Haddad Mayer. I think it's Haddad Mayer and uh, it would be Sviontek semi-final. And it was just incredible. Like she saved some match points in some of them. Uh, she was a setting a breakdown in others. And she just had this incredible fighting spirit. And she just fought till the end. And, and she had played so much tennis going into that Sviontek semi-final so much tennis like like i think the match against three was tall went on for like over three and a half hours or something it was ridiculous for a wta match and uh, she went into that shontek match and i was thinking what well, she got left in the tank but she looked fine she looked fresh uh she lost the first set pretty convincingly and then the second set she took it to a tiebreaker had set points of her own looked really good and now she's the first brazilian player to make the top 10 in the wta so like massive kudos to her as well. I'm sure Brazilian tennis fans are really proud of her. I know lots of them were in the live stream for that semi-final as well. But I think she's got an exciting game. I think she'll do well on the on the grass as well. She did well on the grass last year. She was disappointing at Wimbledon, but in the tournaments before that, she did well. I think her game will translate well. So she's got a good all-court game. I think uh, she so lost my... first round today. She did. <laughs> She did, yeah. yeah. Oh, what today? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. There's, there's more weeks to come. Uh, but yeah, what about you guys? Who do you pick? Um, go whatever order you want. Just whoever wants to go first. 
I don't I'll, I'll, I'll go. Oh, yeah. You go, David. I'll go after um, you. Yeah, go ahead. So, kind of a, a double a double whammy here with um, Pavlyuchenkova and Alina Svitolina, the two surprise quarterfinalists. A lot, I mean, along with Mukova, but um, I think Pavlyuchenkova, the lowest ranked quarterfinalist since like two thousand six or something. It's it's been a while, but um, coming in with that protected ranking, she'd only played like five matches um, last year. And she's been kind of, kind of around and about the the lower um, W60s and stuff this year. Before, um, I mean, yeah, she beat some quality players um, en route to that um, quarterfinal. Let me get it up. Um, she beat, um, yeah, Fribertsova, Samsonova, Potapova, Elise Mertens. Like these are very capable players that can make a quarterfinal semifinal on their day definitely um and she took them all out in um in three sets as well um so she's definitely um put her name back in the hat after uh, uh, a long time out in the wilderness um with her injury problems and hopefully we'll see more of her because her game's exciting she hits hard and um yeah she's good for tennis no, agreed. Yeah, good to see her back. Of course, pretty much went missing after the 2021 Roland Garros final, and yeah, injuries haven't really helped. I think uh, she's really struggled to come back from that. Um, should we go, Pat? I think you want to go next. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not as much of a uh, maybe overachiever, but definitely a shout out goes to Mira Andreva. You know, just turned 16 a month before the you know, Roland Garros and, you know, made the third round, really gave it up to Coco Goff. You know, I think the first set tiebreak took it all out of her and then losing double breadsticks after that. But, you know, definitely, I think she's now like fifth or th- fifth or sixth favorite um, for Roland Garros, uh, sorry, for Wimbledon after, you know, the Mira Andreva. Uh, yeah, I look, I know it's David's uh, surprise on his face. <laughs> this was, uh, I haven't looked at it since uh, she was like, you know, in the third round. But I looked at it and she was like tied fifth or sixth favorite. And I was like, well, this will be crazy. interesting. Maybe something, yeah, they know more than me. But uh, yeah, that was not, obviously not. <laughs> yeah, they got it wrong. <laughs> yeah, definitely something uh, that I was super interested about. It's like Miran Draver, welcome to the scene. Yeah, go on, Anthony. Yeah, she's excited, yeah. Miran Draver. Yeah, Mira Andreeva is going to win the next 30 Grand Slams that happen. <laughs> uh, no, well, I, in all honesty, she's a very exciting uh, young player. Um, but uh, the ones I chose, I was actually going to go uh, hot at Maya and Pablo Chinkva. So they, they're already two players that are already touched on a bit. But uh, Pablo Chinkva reached the, uh, obviously, Roland Garros final 2021. I was very impressed that uh, playing with protected ranking, she kind of came out of nowhere and just, I guess she just really likes playing out Roland Garros, um, which was great. And then Hadad Mai, I think, is going a little bit under the radar um, for after this tournament. I haven't seen a whole lot of talk about her, but her game is so good for grass. She played so aggressive. Her mentality was amazing in this tournament. You mentioned like three three comebacks in a row, uh, nearly come back. She nearly pushed Triantec to three sets as well, played amazing in that second set. By all means, should have won it. Triantec just stole it away, which kind of goes back to the fact that Triantec just finds a way at Roland Garros. 
Um, but it was, um, but yeah, I, I think that those were two players who I was really impressed with. Then uh, my, my other mention would go to Sloan Stevens. So obviously we've seen perform at the majors very well, but she made fourth round here. She beat Caroline Pl- uh, Pliskova first set that she played in this event was a bagel. She yeah. Six, oh, six, four. Then like six, two, six, one. I was like, are we going to see another US Open happen here? <laughs> she was playing amazing. So, um, so credit to her. Uh, she's another player that I would mention. But, uh, but yeah, those are three players I would mention. Obviously, Stevens lost to Sabalenka, but that was a that was Tough a great fourth round match as well. Yeah, um, yeah, that, that match was crazy. I mean, I commentated that match, yeah. and Sabalenka went five love up, and I was like, oh my god, Stevens is getting absolutely annihilated. And then she came back to five all. <laughs> it was over, and then <laughs> Stevens just like, came out what? of nowhere. And then it that went was to one of the best sets of the event. Literally, and it went went to a tiebreaker. And I thought, if Sabalenka loses this, this is probably one of the best comebacks I've seen this set ever. Like it was just, I've never seen. Yeah. Someone be five love up and go on to lose a set. I don't think I've ever seen it like live. Andy anymore. Murray, um, Wimbledon the other year against Bastler's Philly. Oh, really? I didn't. I was, must have not been watching it live. Yeah, I mean, crazy, absolutely crazy. Uh, when that happens, I just, I'm just like, how have you surrendered that? But anyways, yeah, just, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, man. absolutely crazy. But she's got great fighting spirit, Sloane Stevens as well. I mean, she's look, she's definitely underperformed. I think in her career, she's won a slam. I know, so it's it's maybe a bit harsh to say that, but she's got. A really solid game um, and I think she should be at least there or thereabouts like maybe not win another slam but she should be going deeper in slam so it's good to see her at least make her a little bit of a run here let's see what she can do for the rest of the year as well um, okay what well, we'll finish up on with match of the tournament so have a think of that uh, before I go through the rest of the comments as well first and then we can get on to that uh, Duchess is a WTA curse and Netflix curse is alive and well <laughs> yeah that's true. Do you see Rebecca defending a woman in title? Um, yeah, we can we can answer that now quickly, and then we'll go on to the upset. Sorry, the match of the tournament. Even I, um, I don't, I don't. I think she'll be a favourite, but I don't see her winning it. What do you guys think? Or should we go, David, Anthony, Pat? Okay. Um, well, it's, it's definitely um, she'll definitely be uh, top five favourites. Um, I think the whole thing with her withdrawing from Roland Garros, it was, she has, she had like, I think hay fever. It was, um, not sure. Was she, it hay fever? I thought she was like, was it, I, I, to be fair, I was speculating, but I thought it was like a stomach related one. Cause a lot, yeah, I think it was around. like stomach. She was just feeling ill the night before. But because I think someone really... else, someone else also had that issue on court. I think a few players were getting ill or something. Yeah. That, that definitely helps things then if it's, cause I thought with hay fever, that might be uh, still an issue in or well, grass and the sun and um but if it's just kind of a one time stomach thing <laughs> yeah she'll she'll definitely be up for it um it's whether i guess the pressure of uh defending a title it doesn't happen often on wta tour so yeah it'll be tough I'm going a little bit different. I, th- I think she's going to, I think she might be the favorite going in. I, I, that's, that's my opinion. I think she might be the number one favorite going in to defend the title. I was so impressed with her. How she played at Wimbledon last year after she won Wimbledon. I sometimes I'm not always the guy that's like, they're going to follow up their results. Cause it takes a whole lot. It takes the pressures of, um, cause you, you go into a first time that you do have a deep run, you go in. I'm not really feeling much pressure going into this. So, so it's about how you handle pressure of, now people are looking at you. You, mm-hmm. you have to handle that. You have to um, 
see how you perform at certain events. There, there are different fact. There are a lot of different factors. But uh, when I saw her win that event, I was like, this is a player that really showed up with such a high tier of play that I was like, she might, she might show up to this event again. I think that she's going to be a problem for the next while as a young 22, 23-year-old last year. And I, I think she's going to be the favorite going in, especially with Sabalenka losing a heartbreaker in the semis of Roland Garros. So for me, she's the favorite going into Wimbledon. I'd also give a nod to Sabalenka Jabor. And Triantec as well somewhere, but for me especially Sabalenka and Jabor. Um, that, uh, but for me, she's the number one favorite right now. I don't think she's an overwhelming favorite, but I think her her game for for grass is amazing, and I think yeah. uh, and I've loved how she's played this year. She got ill RG, she won Rome, so she was doing well even on clay. I'm excited to see how she looks for how she looks on grass because um, yeah, for me, I, I'm very excited to see how she does at Wimbledon. Yeah, I think she is clearly going to be one of the favourites, if not the favourites you're saying. Her serve is just, yeah, it's going to yeah. be very hard to play <laughs> on yeah. the grass. And she, she hits big as well. And I, I do think it's interesting because Sabalenka, obviously, and none of the Russian or Belarusian players were able to play last year. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens if she does come up against Sabalenka on grass because Sabalenka, for me, is has got a very good game for grass as well. She's in the semi-finals a couple of years ago when she was able to play lost to Pliskova in the semi-final. She should have won that loss in three sets. And yeah, that would be, I'd love to see that match. I'd also love to see a replay of the final Jabir versus um, Rabakina as well. I think that'd be great. So hopefully we get some of those, but yeah, a, a little while, a little while to go. So hopefully they will stay fit as well. Uh, Pat, what do you think? Yeah. Judging by you, you, the mix of answers, I think I do lean towards Anthony. Um, you know, Rabakina has a consistent Wimbledon game, you know, winning it last year. And I think there's just a few unknowns that we're not, you know, we don't know how Shuitik's going to go. We don't know how the draw is going to go, as always, with, you know, these big events. And I wonder if, uh, yeah, if, if, Rabaka, if Rabakina can do it again. Um, I'd like to give some, you know, some credit to her for doing it last year. And I think that'll take some pressure well, or arguably add pressure, but I think for her, she'll be she'll be able to know that she's able to be done. She's able to, you know, have done it, and I think that'll give us some confidence going in. Yeah, no, no, agreed, agreed. All good points. Right, okay, match the tournament on the WTA side, and then let's move on to the ATP. Um, who wants to go first? Should we go David, Anthony, Pat? Sure. Uh, match the tournament. I know this is. Um... Probably not everyone's match, and it's definitely the the tennis purists kind of match. But um, Sarah Sribas Tormo versus Hadamaya, round of sixteen, three hours fifty one minutes, just death, just gladiator, everyone fighting for it. Um, the clear villain in Sribas Tormo at the time was I was like the day was that the day after the the doubles, the default. I think it might have been it was around that time. Um, and, um, yeah, had my fighting for a life, um, first, uh, Brazilian female player to reach the quarterfinals. Um, and that was the third three setter in a row to, to win that in four hours is just crazy, crazy to me. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, this, this answer might come up again, I, I think, just because it was such a crazy match. But the semifinal between Arena Sabalenka and Carolina Mukova 
for me was like I just uh, I always like looking at the ones that are kind of just like under under the radar, but that one just knocks me in the face with how amazing the level was in the first two sets. Sabalenka pulling through, in my opinion. At match point for Sabalenka, when she was at match point against Muhova, I, I don't think her stock was ever higher. Reaching semifinals of RG, one point away from the final. You know, one Australian Open was about to back it up with a final at another major. She had won Madrid. She had done this. She had done that. Finals of Indian Wells. I thought, like, wow, she's just on, she's just on a roll. And then and then um, Mukova obviously just like with this amazing comeback and just showing why she's in the semifinals of RG because she's there for a reason. She had beaten five amazing players in the highest level tournament that there is. So that semifinal, the level, the first two sets, absolutely incredible. And then a whopper of a comeback to cut, uh, to finish it off. I feel like this Roland Garros was the tournament of, tournament of comebacks. And that was the best comeback that I had seen on the woman's side. So I take, I take that one. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. That, that, that's mine as well. Pat. Yeah. I mean, they have to do, they have to be the top two, but I have to give it to, um, look of a semi semifinal. Hmm. Yeah, I think the, to be fair, the final, I, I mean, it was pretty good dramatic as well. I think mainly because Sviontek, everyone expected her to just destroy Mukova. Well, not, okay, let's not say everyone. A lot of people thought that she was going to destroy Mukova. At least it might might be an A close set maybe, or maybe even two close sets, but she's going to win in straight sets. She's never been taken to three sets in a grand slam final. Then for someone to come along who wasn't anywhere near the favourite at the start, to then make the final and then push her like she did, I think was really commendable. And, you know, there were definitely some really hairy moments for Sviontek. I mean, Mukova was up in that third set. There was a, there was a lot of seesawing going on as well, um, in well, from uh, the first set onwards. So that was exciting. Maybe not the highest of level because there were obviously some yeah. nerves involved and, you know, the serving a little bit off from Sviontek and some unforced errors from Mukova. But... The drama, it had the drama of what a great match needs and obviously the occasion as well. So definitely a shout out for that as well. And it's actually really good um, that we managed to get that because I feel like sometimes finals can be a bit underwhelming um, and maybe a bit one-sided. It's like, I'm glad this one wasn't um, because I was expecting it to potentially be that. So more more entertainment for me as well doing uh, uh, the live stream watch along, which is all good fun. Uh, okay, is there anything on the women's side you guys want to touch on before we move on to the ATP? Guys, if you've got any questions that haven't been answered we will answer them at the end. Um, so keep keep them coming in the chat. Be um, yeah, anything on the WTA side before we move on to the ATP? Um, well, I kind of it's already been covered. Upset the tournament. Yeah, I thought it was Mukova Sabalenka because I mean, I for me looking at the semifinals, I thought well, one v two seed. It's got to be Iga versus Saba. Yeah third clay final of the season for them, the trilogy. He thought it was written in the stars, but then Mukova kind of spoiled spoiled that in the best way possible. So um, I think that's upset the tournament for for me, especially from in, in match as well, 2-5 match point down. I mean, when does that ever get overturned? <laughs> yeah, no, no, I agree. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. Um, Anthony, Pat, anything on your, your guys' sides? All good from me. Um, yeah, no, I'm good. Not much more to add. Uh, not much more to add for the woman's side. So nice, cool. Okay, let's move on to the ATP then. So I mean, there's only one place to start. Novak Djokovic, and um, if you're a Rafa fan like myself, you might want to close your eyes, close your ears, or cover your ears even. <laughs> Don't close your ears. Sorry, that might be painful. <laughs> just, just cover your ears. And uh, I think you know 
look, I think it, no matter what your personal feelings are, I think, to be fair, Tim Hammond does tend to say things that I might disagree with. But one thing he did say is that whatever your personal feelings might be, I think Andy Roddick said it as well, um, I think it's pretty undeniable that at this current moment, he's he's the best player ever, I think. And, you know, whether whether you think that he's the greatest or he's the best looking in terms of his play style or whatever else or the impact he's best had. Cardigan. Like, yeah, best cardigan, whatever it might be. Like, <laughs> let's put that all to one side. Like, statistically, he's the best player to, to play tennis on the ATP side. Uh, and that's just a fact. So, look, 23 titles, uh, well, 23 Grand Slams anyway, overtook Nadal. Incredible achievement. I think, you know, he was under a lot of pressure uh, given that it's the first time ever that he's now at the top of the mountain. He's always been chasing and that's been a real big motivation. He's admitted himself. Always been chasing Nadal and Federer. He said after they're massive inspirations to me. I've always looked up to them and always thought about how I can beat them. Uh, but he's now in a position where he's overtaken them. He he is the man now, really, on, on top. And he's got most weeks at world number one, most ATP master, master titles. We can go through all of the accolades. There's lots of them. If you want to check it out, go and check out my my uh, review for the final and talking about that because lots of them to list out. But that he's an incredible player. Uh, and I, I said in that review that when I watched him play last year and I had the privilege of watching him last year at the Labour Cup, uh, I watched him against Francis Tiafo and it was a straight set of victory. So... Didn't get my money's worth, maybe. But what I did get, to be fair, was my money's worth in quality. And he played incredibly well. Um, he played incredibly well. Uh, and I even did, like, I took very, very short snippets of it. And I did a technical analysis on it because I thought it was worthy of doing it um, on his game. Because he said afterwards it's one, it's one of the best matches he'd played of the year. And it was a really slow court as well. So kind of played in terms of the how quick the court was anyway, very similar to Clay. And he made it look like it was a, a, an Australian Open court uh, because of the winners he was hitting. And then he was moving as well, as gracefully as anyone. And when I saw him in person, I just got this feeling and this air of like confidence uh, coming off him that, you know, if he was losing in a game, if his break points down, it didn't matter. He was like, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight. And it was just incredible to watch. Incredible to watch. He made it look easy and it's not. Um, and again, in this Roland Garros tournament, similar to Sviantec, I don't think he played his top, top level. We saw it in glimpses, maybe. I think against Alcraz in that first, he played really well, um, for sure. And, you know, the final against Rude, I think the second and third sets, he definitely turned on. The forehand was like, he was ripping it, second and third sets, the serve and forehand was just unreal. Uh, but, I think it's safe to say he wasn't playing on like the best we've ever seen him play, but he was just still too good. Um, and, you know, with, against Alcaraz, we maybe got robbed a little bit because of the cramping, but Alcaraz came out himself and said it's because mostly to do with nerves and the fact that he was nervous about playing, not playing Djokovic, the, how monumental the match was in terms of historically. And um, that's what they say. They said, you know, he takes your legs away first is what a lot of people say about Djokovic. And it's true. And, he does kill you with depth, and I felt like that was pretty prevalent throughout the whole tournament. So that's my little speech done about Djokovic. But um, what did you guys think of uh, how he of how he did at Roland Garros? Because you know, I'm, I'm assuming most of you, uh, if if you didn't pick him, you're still in your favourites. Uh, but mm. were you surprised with how he won? Um, and yeah, yeah, go on. And, and also, uh, what did you think in terms of like? Do you agree with me in terms of his status as well in the sport now? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like the king, like the clutch player, like the ultimate clutch player. Because I, I commentate on a few of his matches. I watched them through. I, I watched. Um, I tried to catch even like I pretty much caught, uh, caught a little bit of each of his matches, and um, you know, he never really brought out his best level until he had to place uh, until he had to face Carlos Alcaraz in the semifinals. Then he just turned it up to a ten, and I feel like we've seen that time and time again. He's not like one of these guys who. He doesn't always play amazing, but he always finds a way. He always finds a way. At the Australian Open, he found a way. He was deported last year, and he found a way to, to come back and win this event this year. I mean, it's crazy that Novak always seems to find a way. And it's like, uh, it's just really amazing to watch. Not just Djokovic, but obviously Federer and Nadal as well. But Djokovic, the numbers that he's put up are just phenomenal. And he always, always is finding a way at the end of these events. I, I felt like... In the first set um, against, um, who was it, Fucevic in the second round, he was, his forehand was really weird, hitting a lot of weird shots. Hour and a half, first set, pulled through. Yeah, uh, and then he played for Davidovich Fokina, set point in the second set, saved that one. First set, played, Fokina played way better than Djokovic for most of that set. Um, Djokovic serving also way off in that match, I recall. I mean, and he found a way. Fourth round a little bit better, but then quarterfinals, very slow start against Karen. Uh, uh, Hachinov, who uh, was playing amazing tennis too, by the way, but um, he came back and won that one. Then against Alcaraz, he just yeah, say what you want about Alcaraz cramping, but he really kind of physically prevailed and was like an amazing kind of player. The second set, he gave his all and he was still you know, he was still Djokovic at the end of the day and played an amazing final, very clutch the first set, pulled through in the second and third. Djokovic just finds a way. uh, Amazing level when he needed it. Uh, and that shows in the Kachanov match where he went uh, blitzed Kachanov in a 7-0 tiebreaker in that second set. So he, he just he has this inner strength and inner passion, inner kind of uh, greatness that he can just kind of walk in at any point. And it's just amazing to see what Djokovic does time and time again, finding a way. Yeah, clutch is definitely the, the right word, I think, isn't it? Um, for yeah, Djokovic. I, uh, yeah he, he's crazy. the best player at managing his, his body and also grand slams as well. Like, I think... With Alcaraz, he was talking about the cramping and with the nerves and stuff. But also what Alcaraz doesn't do, which Djokovic does do, and also Nadal, is that in the opening rounds, if they're like a set or two sets up and they're a breakup, they won't bust a gut to stretch for like a ball when they're when they're love 40 down in, in a return game. Whereas Alcaraz yeah. will do that. He'll fight for every single point. And it's like that does take it out of you eventually. And longer term, he's not going to be able to do that. So... Even now, it's just it's not worth it, and it's, you have to be a bit smarter with I think how you play. Djokovic is the prime example of that. He he, as you said, he he peaks at the right time. In the clay court swing, he does it. He always does in all of the tournaments, all the Grand Slams. He, you'll see at the start of the swing, he doesn't look great, and everyone's like, oh, Djokovic is getting old. He's not looking very good. A passing of the torch, and then you know he lost in Monte Carlo to Musetti. Everyone's like, oh, he's not looking very good. And then obviously in Rome, you know, he didn't do as well as he normally does. Normally he makes the final, he wins it. Um, he lost the whole room in the fi- and the quarterfinals. They asked him after, how con- confident are you of winning Ronan Garros? And he's like, and they're like, are you confident of winning Ronan Garros? He said, yeah. It's like, so, I- I've, yeah. Won, I've won this. I've won, I've won 22. Yeah, I've won like, 22. And, and then the reporter has nothing yeah, else he, to say. He's won it twice. Nadal's not there. Nadal is the player yeah. that, you know, if he's not winning, he's normally losing to Nadal at Ronan Garros. So, um, Look, I mean, he was always going to be the favourite, and I, I didn't really understand why he wasn't the favourite going into the Alcaraz match. Um, I can see why people would were thinking Alcaraz might win, and I get that, but like, I think he was odds-on favourite to lose, and I was like, 
he's won 22 slams, guys. I think you need to like relax about about <laughs> where these favourites are are being placed. Um, David, Pat, what were your thoughts? Um, so, I mean, what else can be said? It's already been said um, like a million times before. Djokovic just, he's a different class, isn't he? Um, and I think it's a bit over, it can be a bit overblown at times, like the Eurosport coverage I was listening to about Alcaraz gets outdone physically by the 37-year-old old man. <laughs> it gets overdone, but the same time, um, what's more impressive from that, from my perspective, is how efficient Djokovic, I mean, he's always been efficient, um, especially these later years in his 30s, in winning in three or four sets just clinically. But the way that when he saw Alcaraz was struggling a little bit, he just completely locked down <laughs> two, is it six, one, six, one, those third and fourth sets. Like, you see, um, not to rag on Dimitrov, but Dimitrov versus Kozlov um, last year, Acapulco, Kozlov was um, completely cramping all over the place. Like, he could barely move his leg. Like, it was worse than Alcaraz. And he somehow lost in a tiebreak. There's, like, just the, the clinicalness of different players is definitely what separates the the good players and the great players from the greatest of all time, which is Djokovic. And um, yeah, clinical in the tie breaks, didn't make a single unforced error in five tie breaks in the tournament, which is just, who who does that? Only Djokovic can do that and hit with continual um, attacking depth. Um, so Djokovic, yeah, just, just remarkable what he continues to do. And he's on for the calendar slam. Yeah, no, no, attacking depth is a really good... Uh... Phrase I'm have to steal that, David. But yeah, no, definitely, I agree. I think you know the tiebreak points really good, and I was going to mention that. And Matthew said here, Novak has always been good at tiebreaks, but his recent form is insane. Yeah, not not making a single unforced error in the tiebreaks. I think it was, he said five. I think it might have been six, but either way, I mean, it's just unreal. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. He's always been good at tiebreaks, but the way that he just locked down, and they were big, big moments as well, which were those tiebreaks, uh, and he managed to just get through them. Uh, unscathed and the one against Hatchinov I mean pff, seven love <laughs> it's just ridiculous absolutely ridiculous just embarrassing just absolutely embarrassed him so um, and after Hatchinov played so, so well as well in that first set so yeah I mean what can we say uh, apart from look we're in the presence of greatness and he'll be uh, the favourite for Wimbledon he'll be the favourite for the US Open and I don't know the kind of slam is it on well someone's going to have to step up and and, you know, do something because otherwise, it, look, I mean, I, I'm not really sure to be maybe Medvedev ever the US Open, maybe Alcaraz at Wimbledon. I don't see Alcaraz and Medvedev doing anything. I think it have to be someone like Kyrgios. But if you saw Kyrgios play today, you might say probably not. He just lost and he looks really while. unfit. Yeah. He looks really unfit. Like he doesn't look like he's uh, recovered properly from that knee injury, knee op. So um, you got Sinner, you got Sitsipas, Berrettini looked horrible, but lost to. Sonego yesterday. I mean, look, it, it looks like it's all lining up. The stars are aligning. So we'll see how it gets, how what happens is a long way to go. But um, yeah, Pat, what, what do you think? Yeah, much the same. Like, I think what David said was that I really liked was efficient and clinical. Uh, you know, Djokovic may not always, you know, start tournaments or even start the season strong. But, you know, when it comes to it, he knows how to, you know, finish off matches now in three and four sets and 
I know he struggled, you know, largely due to Rafa in doing that previously. Um, but this is really, you know, we're seeing a new age Djokovic here. Um, you know, 30, yeah, 36, 37 next year. And he's going to be uh, a difficult a difficult beast to, uh, to tame. Um, you'd think, you know, with the 16, 16 17 year, uh, I think a 16 year age gap, you know, Djokovic might not, might be the one cramping first, but, you know, Djokovic's body as a 36 year old is just unreal. Like, just seeing him on the courts. I mean, it's nothing new, but it's just, it's unreal. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Like I said, Fazani left out Milos Raonic. Uh, let's not get ahead of ourselves because he's won one match on grass, Matthew. That's... <laughs> Go on, Milos. <laughs> I mean, he, he's been out for a long time. I don't see him getting any further than like the fourth round or quarterfinals at Wimbledon. I'd be very, very surprised, um, to be honest with you. So let's see. He's still got time as well um, until then. And he's, his luck with injuries has been horrific. But um, I, I don't see him just being able to channel his Milos Raonic from you know, whatever it is, three, four, five years ago. And even that version doesn't meet Djokovic because he never used to beat Djokovic anyway um, on grass. So you've got to remember 12, that. 12 and 0 now exactly. for Djokovic against Raonic. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Um, so that, that's just not 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 a great matchup. And Murray used to yeah, play him as well. That always used to be a great one. But uh, yeah. Right, okay. Um, shall we move on? What we'll do is I can see a lot of questions here about the ATP stuff. So we'll... Uh, address that at the end because I think it'll be good to get through all of those questions in one go. Uh, keep them coming though, and we'll address all of them. In terms of other things to talk about, I mean, on the men's side, it was interesting because, you know, I felt like maybe not disappointing, but Holger Rune, you know, going into it, I thought, oh, he might do really well. And then he obviously played a absolute epic against Rundelo, and that took the legs out of him against Casper Rude. And then obviously we had uh, Medvedev lose to say both wild, which is a crazy story, literally a wild story uh, to say the least. And uh, some of the stuff I read about him after was pretty wild as well. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. But um, look, I mean, I have to say, I, I was just hoping for a little bit more. And I almost feel like the WTA side might have been a bit more exciting in the end um, because on the ATP side, I didn't really see too many incredible matches. Obviously, Sinner as well was disappointing. He lost pretty early. Yeah, yeah. And some of the guys I thought might go deeper and, and really make a mark, they didn't really quite do that. Like, we saw some of the older guard make it through. Dimitrov made it through, like, relatively far. I'm like, okay, he's not really going to win it, though. So it's great for him to to get further, but he's not a real contender. Uh, Zverev, obviously, in the semis, but got destroyed by Kasper Rudin. I knew it wasn't the version of Zverev that... Pat said was going to be world number one, of course. So that before <laughs> Pat, sorry, I'm going to have to call you. But we did the when we did the uh, start of yeah, the year, very fair, and uh, end of year awards, and we were doing because we were number one. But to be fair to Pat um, Zverev, you know he was expected to come back straight away. And look, at his form has not been great. Uh, but if it was the Zverev from I don't know 2021 Olympics, 2021 US Open, even 2020 Roland Garros, then. He, maybe he beats Kasparud, maybe he gives Djokovic a decent run for his money, but yeah, I mean, I just thought it was wasn't the highest of levels, so I was a little bit disappointed with how it went uh, in honesty, but I think someone we have to touch upon, of course, is Kasparud so let's um, let's talk about him let's talk about him um, Kasparud has lost his third straight final yes, but he lost to Nadal last year. I think we could excuse him for that. Best player ever on clay. Then lost to Alcaraz at the US Open. He was playing really well. Took a set off him, if I, if I remember correctly. Uh, and then 
this Roland Garros final. He loses in straight sets, but he puts up a real big fight. Uh, a real big fight. I would argue he should probably take the first set against Djokovic. Um, before the tiebreak, I guess. Yeah, before the tiebreak. Exactly. Yeah, before the tiebreak, he was he was a breakup and didn't quite hold his nerve. But he fought really well in the third set, played some really good tennis. And in fact, what was actually really encouraging to me was that Djokovic was playing really well in the third set, yet Kasparud still stuck with him until 5 all. And stuck with him pretty impressively, in honesty. He, he probably was playing out of his skin by the looks of it. He played what a tweener uh, to win a point, and it had to like it was being run ragged. But he was he was playing well. I mean, what, given that his season hasn't been great up until uh, the clay court season, Roland Garros. Uh, were you guys impressed? I mean, did you see it coming? Him making another final? Because I, I didn't. I'll put my hands up and say I didn't. But could, should we go around and obviously let me know? Let, let me know your thoughts on. Uh, on him as well, uh, and also, yeah, just how he looked at the tournament, and also were you surprised as well with his results? And do you think he's improved since last year? I think is the biggest question as well. Uh, should we go, Pat Anthony, David? Yeah, I think you know, looking at my notes and I guess how the tournament went, I I never put Root out of it, like out of making a final. Like you know, I know he flies under the radar a lot in tournaments. You know, looking through his biggest. Um, competitors throughout the tournament. He had Jarry, which, you know, I'm really big on Jarry this year. And, you know, we he run, Jarry won Geneva the week before. So, you know, I don't think he was maybe fully – I'm not sure how his fitness was, but he won that in the close three sets. Um, Rude defeating Rune. I probably would have picked Rune um, if it wasn't for Rune going five to Serendolo before. Um, and then I guess that led to a nice win over Zverev. In the semi-final. So, yeah, a lot of it is the draw here. I think if Rude maybe had a bit of more of a difficult run, maybe, you know, Rude, an unfit Rude and Zverev in the quarterfinal and semi-final isn't like the biggest competitors, I think, um, despite me saying Zverev was going to finish well, uh, number one at the end of the year. But, yeah, Shade that's my thrown take on my Pat. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing from Pat is he doesn't rate Casper Rude <laughs> from those comments. That I'm just joking. <laughs> and I'm, like, the biggest Casper Rude fan, like, that there is. So you know what I, was... I respect it, though, Pat. I mean, there, I respect, there was but... a subscriber, me... Nihar, yeah. who basically, he's a massive Casper Rude fan like you. And he said yeah. he was like, if Kasparud wins Roland Garros, I'm going to purchase the highest rank of membership on the channel. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah, yeah. He was like, yeah, I remember. He was I like, saw that in chat. I was yeah. like, that's crazy. But I didn't see him in the finals, so I think he's gone missing until maybe yeah, Kasparud yeah. does something. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, what do you think? Oh, Sorry, Anthony. Right. Yeah, but Pat, you know what, Pat? Like, I mean, I, I joke, but I get your point uh, that mm. you know, maybe he came up against some people who weren't potentially at their best or they'd been a little bit handicapped from previous rounds. I think we have to give him his kudos because of the way he played. I think that final always showed that he played well. But I do agree that he didn't have the hardest of routes up until the final. I think that's fair to say. It opened up for him for sure. Yeah, there's such a high standard there, um, you know, making the semifinals and so on. But I'll uh, leave my shade for the end of it. <laughs> David's shaking so he doesn't agree. I'm looking forward to David's comments. Anthony, come on. <laughs> Yeah, I thought I thought Rude played amazing. I was so impressed by the way that he played against Holger Rune. He he played he served seven, over seventy one percent first serve points won against Jari. He won in straight sets, winning all of the big points, which we wouldn't have said earlier this year against guys like Botik van de Janschkolp when he played in Miami, lost all of the big points that third set. There's a lot of times that we watched him play this year where we were like, Casper Rude, he could play well, but he's just losing all of the big points. He has one of the highest tennis IQs, as many would say, but he 
when it's the big point, gets a little bit lower. He doesn't play a lot of the smart shots. This tournament, he really picked that up in fourth round against Nicholas Jari, who he lost to in Geneva Open. Then he plays the guy who he lost to in Rome, Holger Runa, and he and he and he beats him in uh, straight sets or four sets, four sets. He beats him in four sets, uh, six, one, six, two in the first couple sets, which given Runa was way off his mark, especially in that first set. Even Kasparudze kind of gave me the first set. So he was way off his mark. But for me, it's kudos to Kasparud in this event because he really showed up with a high level. So, like I said, Sir 71% against Nicholas Jari, Sir 72% against Runa. I believe Sir 72% again, again against Varev. So he was serving amazing. He was hitting his backhand uh, the same way we kind of saw the improvements that he was doing late last year. His forehand about as good as I've seen him hit it. I, I, I'm I kind of hesitant to say that because I'm not used to thinking of 2023 Rude on par with 2022 Rude, but uh, uh, but the way he was hitting that forehand really impressed me. A lot of pace on it too, not just kind of the top spin. A lot of pace on it too. I was really impressed. I thought he played amazing in that first set, just easily top five level in that first set against Djokovic, probably top three level, just really high level in that first set. Didn't really keep it up. It was a really high tier of play. And I was happy for Rude because I've been waiting, been waiting for Rude to get his flowers from the tennis world for four big finals last year. You know, beat Fritz, OJ Aliasim, and Rublev in ATP finals last year on as quick courts as you'll see. Played amazing clay court tennis last year. So Happy to see him get his flower. So for me, it was all kudos to Rude for sure. Yeah, David. <laughs> so I'm kind of going to echo a lot of Anthony's points here. But um, yeah, I think it's Rude's most impressive run to a slam final. Um, taking out Jari and Runa, albeit Runa, like uh, Pat said, was a bit hindered by the five-setter against Sarundalo. Um, still, the way... I saw I saw Rude because Rude had a bit of a friendly draw. I saw Rude making the quarterfinals, but um, he definitely um, went above and beyond like pretty much everyone's expectations. Even the the Norwegians, I'm sure, didn't call um, <laughs> a final. Most of them, anyway. Um, the way he was hitting his forehand with so much confidence, he really um, he played into the tournament and. Um, very, very impressive. Um, just Runa, especially. Um, I think there's that uh, bit of bitterness there still, even though they won't say it, the, the Christmas cards. And I think there's still that bit of um, animosity there for Rude to get that win um, and put uh, Runa to the back of his head while getting the win. Um, I think it was impressive. And the way he dismantled. Albeit um, a bit of a uh, not the highest levels there you'll ever see. The bagel in the third set, it's just that's pretty scary, isn't it? The way he was playing, pretty scary again. Um, and uh, people, I saw Gil on Twitter saying that it was uh, the best final performance he's had. Yeah, uh, it's it's. It's close between this and the U.S. Open, but it's definitely um, miles above uh, what happened last year, where it was a procession from the start, really. Um, and he's definitely um, he's definitely bridging the gap somewhat between him and um, the goats in finals, but it's just it's it's too big to um, to get a set or make it somewhat close. Yeah. No, 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 I agree. I think, yeah, last year was a bit of a fanboy moment where Rude was like, okay, I'm going to stand on the other side of the court. 
and Rafa, if you just do your you do what you do, and I can just admire you from the other side, and I'll, I'll just rally a bit with you. Maybe win a couple of points here or there because I'm going to make unforced errors. But otherwise, you can just go on to win it. Um, Rafa Nadal academy for life. No, <laughs> but I think this year uh, a bit better, of course, against Djokovic, and yeah, not a bit better, a lot better. And I, I think it's. The final performance is interesting because last year he took a set off Alcaraz and that's why I think David Yarming and Aaron, I, I get that. And I do agree. I think he played some good tennis against Alcaraz. But I think the fact that he, let's look at the opponent and and the situation. He's playing Alcaraz, who's never won a slam in his first ever slam final. And then playing against Djokovic, who's won 22 slams. Djokovic is the harder opponent in that situation. So I think the fact that he managed to take it only... No, lose in three sets, but not just lose in three sets, but lose the way that he did um, by fighting every single set, apart from the second set, which I think was obviously a little bit of a dip. But the first set and third set, well, they played really well on the forehand, which Anthony mentioned. I was really, really, really impressed with that. Um, I thought he was actually out hitting Djokovic in, in, in patches of that final, forehand to forehand. And he was uh, Djokovic was struggling to handle it. Uh, he was seeing a lot of depth, a lot of spin, a lot of pace as well. He was getting through the court. The courts are slow. Uh, and then Djokovic said, okay, yeah, third set, I'm going to up my game as well. And he started hitting it like, Del, like prime Del Potro at Wimbledon. <laughs> but uh, I think, you know, like Rude played really well. His backhand as well. Like if we if you compare his backhand returns from last year at Roland Garros against the Dahl, where he was just looping it up, barely anything on it. A lot of short, short, shorter returns as well. A lot of short backhands compared to this year against Djokovic. The backhand return a lot deeper, a bit more pace on it, a lot less loopy as well. Still the same amount of spin though. And uh, even in the rallies as well, in the exchanges, uh, I thought he was a lot better. He actually managed to win some backhand to backhand exchanges, which I was like, whoa, okay, like this is this is pretty impressive. And yes, some mistakes from Djokovic not playing his best in those moments. But look, we have to give him kudos. I think. He's really good coming forward as well. I was impressed with the net play. I thought he was really good. Uh, he chose the right moments to come in. And for someone of his height, you don't necessarily expect him to come forward a lot. But he's really good coming forward. He's got good hands. Uh, he's got good touch. His drop shot's pretty good as well. Uh, and he's defensively pretty sound as well. I think he moves really well on the clay. And uh, we saw that point with the uh, tweener. Uh, that, you know, like he can move really well. And he has a little bit of flair as well. He's not just Mr. Boring, like a lot of people tend to <laughs> tend to uh, label him, which I think is a bit harsh. So, look, a, a good performance. Yes, he didn't win, so let's not maybe get too excited about it. But I imagine if you play someone who isn't as experienced as Djokovic, or maybe isn't named Djokovic in the dial, then or, or potentially Alcaraz now, then I think it's going to be a different story. I, th- I genuinely think he's... He she should win at least one in his career, and if he doesn't, it'll be heartbreaking because he's won, he's already made three finals, um, and it'll really kill him. But I, I imagine he's still pretty young, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he continues to improve his game because there's clearly improvements to be made. Um, but going in the right direction anyway. Uh, so enough about me talking about Kasparud and how amazing he is. Okay, let's let's move on to the rest of the players then, and then we'll let's get through the questions. In terms of player that underperformed the most, so the player that you're maybe most disappointed by, who wants to go first? Uh, shall we go David? Do you want to go? I feel like David's really excited. Should we go David, Pat, Anthony? So, I mean, a lot of disappointments on the ATP side. Yeah. A lot of the high seeds you're expecting to make big runs. Everyone was high on Medvedev after Rome. Yeah. 
Everyone was high on Medvedev, me included. I thought he'd make the at least semi-final, final. Um, but he just, I mean, just didn't really, <laughs> didn't really happen for him. Just got taken out while he was vulnerable first round. Um, maybe like those are the times where you can get um, get a top seed where they're kind of uh, they're not really used to the courts yet. Um, Stay both wild. He just hit Medvedev off the court. He did, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Forehand killed him. The forehand killed him. Um, and also, stay both wild as well. I think his ranking, yes, not particularly high, but he's still quite young. He's clearly good, very good on clay, um, at least at the level that he's been playing at. And I think Medvedev might have been a little bit overconfident potentially. Just won Rome. Probably thought this was going to be a potential, like a little bit of a knockover. Medvedev doesn't strike me as the type of player that watches a lot of people before playing them. I feel like mm. he gets the team to do it, and then he's the type of person that will, he's got a great tennis IQ and he figures out on court. Um, I think maybe he was a little bit taken aback with the level that Sabath Wild played, which is, I think we can all agree, is the best level he's probably ever played in his life in a competitive match. So I think he was one of those ones where it was like, okay, someone's playing a really high level. They've they're playing out of their skin. Can Medvedev somehow dig deep or is he going to eventually falter? And given the surface and the adversity they've had yeah. with him in the past, maybe it just kind of all came to head a little bit um, with him. But no, I agree. It's a, it a big, big upset. I mean, I was expecting him to at least make maybe the quarterfinals. Um, wasn't expecting him to win, like a lot of people said. But <laughs> um, yeah, at least he's something. But uh, yeah, sorry, Dave, do you want to finish up and then we'll go to Pat and Anthony? So I had a bit of a so along with Medvedev, it was kind of a snowball effect of disappointing underachievers uh, in a way. With um, that part of the draw opening up, we were all kind of like, "This is Yannick Sinner's time. This is yeah. his time to make the semi-final at least and play against um, Rubla, um, Rune, or um, or someone in the semi-final." Um, and then he just goes out in five to Altmaier. I mean, it's just. It is what it is. Yannick Sinner, not he's just not find not finding his way um, where there's opportunities. Um, Monte Carlo semi final, um, yeah, it, it was very disappointing that he uh, lost the five to. I mean, Daniel Altmaier, he he should be beating Altmaier, really, shouldn't he? Yeah, yeah, no, no, he should, he should. Like, let's, let's, I think let's not dance around it. I think he definitely should. It's a big, big upset. Altmaier played some good tennis. It was a close match. It was, you know, we'll talk about match the tournament in a second, but it might be up there. But I think Sinner shouldn't be getting involved in these types of long matches early in tournaments and of slams. Like, it, it shows a level of inconsistency, and I think his serve is a big, big thing. He, he goes through spots where he serves really well. And I think the quicker courts obviously help his case, but he doesn't win enough easy service games. Um, like in my opinion, it's just, it's way too hard. Like I get, he's got good legs. I, I get he's, you know, he's really good off the ground uh, from the back of the court. Um, he can transition quite well. He's got a decent touch game. Yeah, that, that's great. But if you look at the difference between himself and like an Alcaraz or even a Runa, even though Runa doesn't have the biggest of serves, he serves and volleys, so he does win easy points off his serve. Um, he his serve isn't the biggest, but he'll still get some free points through either unreturnables or or finishing off of the net. 
Um, or he goes big with a plus one. I feel like Sinner is missing that still. Um, and he has done it. He's definitely kind of tuned into that part of all that improvement in his game in certain instances, obviously beat Alcaraz a couple of times last year, Wimbledon, for example, two sets love up against Djokovic. But then we have to also cater in the fact that Wimbledon helps people who don't have particularly big serves. And he serves quite flat skids on. It kind of covers up maybe the little bit of the deficiencies in that. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I was really disappointed and you can probably hear it by the sound of my voice because I just was like, this is a big opportunity for him to go to go through. And instead, you know, I think he should have been really taking it by the scruff of the neck and saying, this is now my, my half the draw. Uh, and instead he faltered. And I don't know. I mean, he's not, he's still young, um, but he's not as young as Alcaraz or Runa. He needs to make a breakthrough at some point. Those guys have done. I don't really feel like he has done it quite yet. He has won a Masters title, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but he hasn't quite Sinner, made you the mean... big moves. Well, he's made a Masters final, hasn't he? he made... Yeah, yeah a couple of Masters yeah. finals, mate. He has, yeah. yeah. I think he lost to her, her catch in Medvedev, right? If I'm not mistaken. Mm. So, um, yeah. But yeah, so he hasn't made a big splash at all. So anyway, we'll see how he gets on. Uh, Pat, what was your, or who was your most uh, disappointing player? Um... I guess, yeah, I mean, I'm a big fan of Sinner and it was sad to see him go out so early. Um, I He's think your favourite player, isn't he? Yeah, he, he thought, is. Yeah, yeah. Yannick. You're jinxing um, all of them. Pat, Zverev, Sinner, I'm just joking. <laughs> it's, uh, My favourite yeah, player too, yeah. Oh, Anthony, yeah, yeah isn't he? <laughs> I'm sure he's a lot of favourites for the sure. The yeah. <laughs> I read somewhere as well that Altmaier had played one of the most matches on tour in 2023, so he's you oh, know, wow. really coming spirited. Um, yeah. I think if not the most um, up until that date where he beats him yeah, yeah. in 2023. So he's spirited. I think he's, you know, his mentality is in the game. Um, and, you know, Sinner can have these matches sometimes where, you know, he just, he's not fully in it. But Altmaier, I'm just looking at his rankings prior to Roland Garros. So he was sitting like around, around, yes, yeah, 65 in singles. Yeah. I think just pre match. 57. Oh, just out. Yeah, but um, yeah, think... not even seeded. Like they shouldn't and be then, losing, so should he? Yeah, in in just twenty fourth of April, who was ninety two, so he's had a run, um, just prior to Roland Garros. It looks like I can't remember exactly what. Yeah, yeah, no, no, um, he has. He's he's made some. He won some decent matches on the clay. I think it's just. Hmm. So definitely, I agree with you. Uh, some form, but yeah, good enough to beat um, Sinner shouldn't be. Some... Yeah. yeah, someone else. Um, Gil was really high on him in the pre- in these predictions. Botic van der Zanschlup, I think he wanted to go fourth round, you know, to he- see him go to Tarante and not to bag out Casper anymore. But uh, Botic has a three-two against Rude, and that was Rude's. Uh, <laughs> that was a that was a third or fourth round. Um, yeah, I think it was fourth round uh, or third or fourth round head up matchup. Um, obviously, Rude came through, which is great. Um, but yeah, that was some that was someone where I think just listening to Gil and Gil was convincing me, um, Bodic, 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 and uh, yeah, that was a shame to see. But look, other than that, that was really it. Um, I know team lost first round, but it's not like you know we had super high hopes. I think that was just yeah. a bit of nostalgia there. Yeah, fair. Auntie, do you want to go? And I'll finish up. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to echo everybody's kind of thing. I think Yannick Sinner losing to Daniel Altmaier was kind of mine as well. And I was just um, 
I was heartbroken to see it because it really had opened up. Everybody was scared about him facing Medvedev. On um, And one of the big issues in his head-to-head -head against Medvedev is the fact that Medvedev has so much time against Sinner's big ground strokes. On clay, it was only going to be harder for him against Medvedev, especially Medvedev playing so well on clay like in Rome. So it was all just it was all lining up for center. He didn't have to play Medvedev. His draw was wide open, and then loses a heartbreaker to Altmaier with the kind of similar scoreline in that kind of all-time epic he played against Alcaraz at the U.S. Open, where he was up five-four with the match point, and then once again just folds and can't put it away. And it was um, it was just sad to see because um, Yannick is still waiting for that big breakthrough, and it just uh, it just didn't happen here. But um, I do, I do agree that he needs to work on a serve big time. I think it can kind of break down, and I think also he's kind of um, kind of needs to hone in on that killer instinct. It's it's really something he needs to hone in on when he has a chance to really grab it, because uh, and he said himself, "I'm not really enjoying myself on court." I think one of the biggest things in in honing in on a killer instinct and putting away matches is the fact that you really want it. You want to be out there. You want to enjoy competing when you're too worried about everything, too worried about losing, too worried about this, worried about that, not focusing on winning and really, really enjoying it, enjoying the, um, the competition, enjoying the fact that you could put this away. You're motivated and fighting for something. If you're not happy out there and motivated, then it's going to be hard to finish off matches. And I think we're seeing that with center. So he needs to find a way to kind of ease down on the nerves, play happier out there. And I think just, yeah, uh, just to hone in on that killer instinct, put guys away. And uh, yeah, for, serve is a big thing as well. But it was sad to see Sinner go out, especially with such a big chance. Yeah, no, no, agreed. I think, yeah, it's a bit of a red flag, him saying he doesn't enjoy himself on court at the moment. So uh, hopefully that's uh, just a blip, because if that's the case, he's never going to win a tournament like that. So I, I, I'm, I get it's hard, like all of us play tennis at some level, and I think we can all say we hate it in some degree double faulting or you feel scared or anxiety on court at some point but I mean he's a pro player so hopefully he gets through that because that's important like the mentality part of any elite sport is the in my opinion just the biggest thing um, so if, if he doesn't enjoy what he's doing right now then it's going to be hard to translate that into like tournament wins so hopefully that does change um, and he starts to enjoy himself because that's the most important thing um, we'll finish off on Sinner with these comments. I put a bet on Sinner, jinxed him. <laughs> Go on. Sinner uh, gets broken in the most sets. He is great at breaking as well. So it's one step forward, one step back. Yeah. True. And Dutchie says, I don't know about Sinner at Wimbledon. Yeah. I have high hopes, but who knows anymore? Yeah. Sinner uh, is still pretty young. He has enough time, says Max. Pretty young age wise in tennis. Yeah. Indeed, indeed. Uh, da -da -da -da. I think he needs to take a bit off his shots and just play some better. He loves to slap it. Yeah, I think on clay, you don't really need to slap it, do you? So I think that's a little bit of maybe a compromise needed there. And maybe, he, I mean, I didn't watch that whole match, to be fair, so I wouldn't know. I mean, there's a long one, but I mean, that's something that some players tend to struggle with is adapting their games to different surfaces. And you need to be able to have that in your repertoire um, for sure. And I think Medvedev, even though, yes, I know he lost to Sabre with Wild, but if you watch his Rome win, he wasn't hitting all his ground strokes super flat. Like, you realize I need to put a bit more tops with a bit more height over the net. Like, I, I, I've been stubborn my whole career not doing it, but if I want to actually go deep and win tournaments on clay, so anyway, I'm going to do it. And... Oh, look at that. Magic. One Rome. So, um, it, it's just, yeah. Uh, it's not obviously the easiest thing to do, but it's definitely necessary. Um, in terms of my 
most disappointing. Uh, Dutchie's just said it here. So, yeah, thank you. Felix has been a disappointment this year. I don't know if it's the injuries or the coaches. So obviously, he lost to Fabio Fognini in the first round. I called it as well. So, I'm happy about happy with myself. But sad that, obviously, he proved me right. Uh, Fognini, obviously, is a talented player. And we know he's a veteran on clay. But he's not been the best of form recently anyways. Um, but I did expect him to beat Felix. And Felix has just been in this weird position where I think of course, I was talking to, I think it was Cam Williams, actually, with the preview for Roland Garros, and he was telling me that um, on the channel that if Felix doesn't make it to at least the fourth round, they need to review, like, what's the point of having Tony Nadal as part of the setup in any capacity, because the whole point of him coming in was for him to do better on clay, and he did do better on clay last year, but the rest of his game on other surfaces seems to have been harmed in some way, shape, or form. This year, obviously, he lost in the first round. It wasn't an easy draw. That's a given. But he should be beating Fognini. Like, I, I'm not being funny, but like this, you could go four or five sets, but you should be winning. Um, and I think he kind of wins. Can I interject a bit? But he did have... Oh, yeah, I think you're about to say what he had. So, go on. Yeah, go on. yeah the stomach. He had stomach issues. I was watching the... Because Gil was doing um, some tennis channel um, coverage for that match. So, um yeah, it was obviously dis- he's been disappointing all year, and yeah. doesn't take away all the disappointments that he's put through pretty much every tournament, maybe bar so like one decently run at Indian Wells. There's just not, there's not much to shout home about, is there, for Felix? But yeah. I think I think he was um, struggling uh, stomach wise because he was wanting to go to the toilet in the first set after like six games. So there's definitely something going on. Yeah, yeah, no, no, that's that's fair. I think that yeah, obviously we need to caveat that with uh, that needs to be a caveat anyway, in in the assessment of the of the defeat anyway that he was struggling. I think he also struggled with an injury as well. I think um, Gil said or someone else. So maybe something to bear in mind. But yeah, I think maybe the season hasn't been the best. So it just was like okay, cherry on the top, ready to what's been a, mm. a poor season. But hopefully we see him back to his best on the grass because he's got a really good grass court game. So. He should be doing well on the grass, but we'll see how he gets on. Um, but a shame for him. And I saw Shapovalov in the comments, but he lost to Alcaraz, so I that's a disappointment and that's an expected loss, um, unfortunately. Um, for... I'm sure he's <laughs> Canadian... happy to get to the third round, to be honest. Yeah, the... <laughs> yeah agreed. Yeah, the Canadians, the Canadians didn't do very well this tournament, to be fair. But uh, yeah, I think there's more hope on the women's side at the moment than the men's side uh, for to work. Uh, Canadian tennis players. Uh, okay, shall we move on to the the kind of surprise package of this tournament, who kind of overperformed, who do you think was a standout um, player? Uh, should we go Pat, David, Anthony? Yeah, sure. Um, this is something, you know, oh, I'll say first of all, Echeverry. Um, Echeverry yeah. knocked out three seeds. He, yep. I think you've got it here. He defeated Draper in the first round. We know, unfortunately, Draper retired with his shoulder. Um, and then he's beaten Alex Dimonor, he's beaten Borna Chorich, so 18th seed, 15th seed, and then Nishioka, 27th seed. Yeah, um, really yeah, really impressive. I've liked him on clay. I know he's he's still young, he's 23. Um, but yeah, really impressive from me. Um, I think he's going to have a hell of a clay career. I'm sure he'll win some more titles, um, depending on the level, I'm not sure. But yeah, lots lots of great things to see from me. But yeah, Echeverry was my real highlight there. Yeah, no, hard to, that's a really good pick, actually. Actually, very. I saw him against Djokovic. I think I did the live watch along 
um, for that. I think he played Djokovic in Rome, I want to say. Um, and he lost. He lost, but he looked quite good. I was like, oh. I was like, okay. Pretty good. Like, this is going to be a good replacement for Schwartzman uh, in terms of Argentinian talent. Um, and he played really, really well this year. So um, I was actually thinking he might be Zverev, but obviously he didn't get it done. But that would have been an interesting one. Uh, Anthony? Yeah, and that was a very high-level match, that kind of quarterfinal between Echeverry and Zverev. Um, you know, there were a decent amount of winners of errors, but there was a lot of winners too, and I just thought that that was a really amazing match by both players. I was very uh, encouraged by both their levels, obviously, Zverev. On the comeback, I thought he was playing as well as I'd seen him play, uh, so I was disappointed by that semi as well. Um, but that was a very high-level match. Um, my answers uh, would also be Echeverry. I was very encouraged by his level. Um, and then my other uh, pick would be uh, Lorenzo Sanego. Um, mm. And I thought Sanego was very impressive. He beat Ben Shelton in the first round in four sets, beat Cumbert uh, in the second round in uh, straight sets. And then he was down two sets of love against Rublev. Rublev won the second set in the bagel. And then uh, Sanego just comes back out of nowhere and wins that in five sets which was amazing. And then he played like a four hour, four and a half hour match or something against Kachanov in the, in the fourth round. And Kachanov was playing amazing, but Sinego just brought it. Sinego uh, also this week beat Berrettini like six, one, six, two on the grass. So can play well on multiple close. surfaces as well. Yeah. yeah. So just crazy what Sinego's been. He's the, he's a really talented guy. I'll be surprised if he never makes a super deep run at a big event. Cause he seems fearless and he seems like he has the game and the skill. So, um, shout out to Nago because he had a great French Open. He didn't get to the quarters or anything, but he had a great run as well. Yeah. Good shout, David. Um, yes, echoing uh, what Anthony said, Sinego, um, big run here. Uh, first, fourth round at a major in like a couple years, Wimbledon. Um, and also, um, Jerry, I mean, I think we kind of expected Jerry to have a, a good run considering what he did in Geneva and earlier in the year in the Golden Swing. But good to see him backing up those smaller tournaments in the major. Um, I'm sure he would have preferred to uh, challenge Rude a bit more, considering he beat him, but uh, different conditions to than Geneva, for sure. Um, yeah, Echeverry, it's a huge run from him. It really was um, beat, like, three, four seeds en route to that quarterfinal and definitely had his chances against Zverev in that quarterfinal and um, just just missed out. Yeah, no, no, good picks, I think. And Gene, hi Gene, how you doing? Saying it could be a dark horse for Wimbledon. Oh, <laughs> big calls. Very dark like horse. Yeah. Jerry was up a break in the second and the third. So yeah, Jerry, I was going to say, had a really good run. Um, obviously, he played well in Geneva a couple of weeks back. Uh, won it, won that event. Some good players, very Van Rude on route to the fight, on route to winning it, even. Um, obviously, made the fourth round lost Casper Rude 7 6 7 5 7 5. I mean, it doesn't get much tighter than that. So, um, pretty tight. Also, Surundalo, good to see him um, make a good run. Obviously, lost to Holger Runa in a final set tiebreaker 10 7. Um, but he looked pretty good up until then. I've, I have some really high hopes for him going forward on clay. So, let's see how he gets on as well. Um, and Offner. A qualifier, if I'm not mistaken, came through, made the fourth round. Um, took a set off Sitsapas as well. Uh, so, look, I mean, 
good little run for him as well. Little surprise package. David's shaking his head. What's going on, David? He did, he didn't take his head off since the first. Did he not? He, was, oh, he, he should have, but he didn't. He should have. Oh, that's that's me uh, hoping for something that didn't happen. Uh, and then, <laughs> and then I think Hatchinov, who uh, look, I mean, is it really a surprise? You know, the semi-finals of the last two slams, um, he didn't make a semi-final this time, but he's actually the only player to make the quarterfinals in the last, I think it's the last four or five slams, which is pretty impressive. Um, quarterfinals or more. Uh, so obviously given Nadal and Djokovic haven't played in slams, so just cater that in. Uh, but mm. look, I mean, he's been really consistent. So shout out to him as well. I've been impressed by him. And he's becoming, yeah, as Gene said here, slam specialist. Took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, so thank you for that, Gene. Right on, right on cue. And uh, Juan says, Jerry Star might do damage on grass. Yeah, he's a big hitter, maybe. I guess the big question is, how's he going to move on the surface more than anything? Um, and also deal with uh, the different, yeah, bounce that he's going to get, the lower bounce that he's going to get um, as well. So we'll see how he gets on there. Okay, in terms of, uh, should we do match of the tournament? And then we'll get to the questions that are building up. So match of the tournament, shall we go? Who wants to go first? Who wants to go first? It's I've not got one. Uh, I'll... Anthony, go on. Okay. You go first. Um, so mine was a uh, first round match. Uh, and it was uh, usually, you'd want to see it in the final or the semifinals. <laughs> but uh, I think it was Gil Monfils in an amazing comeback versus Sebastian Baez. 36 years old, almost 37 years old. Down three breaks. And he was just ama- hitting loads of winners. I mean, you like to see comebacks. But when it's comebacks with that amount of energy, he pulled a short sway of highs like hobbling and that was just incredible. Um, I see Gene in chat also pointing out Serena Runa. That was also in my mind as well. That was a fantastic match as yeah. well. But for me, uh, for me, just personally, that fifth set, watching Monfils with such amazing energy kind of come back and really kind of, to me, it felt like almost like a statement. Like, this is who Gail Monfils is as a person, as a player. It always has been. It didn't feel like, oh, look, this is Gail Monfils doing an amazing thing. This was Gail Monfils saying, I'm Gil Monfils, and I, there should be respect on my name for what I can do. And uh, that was what really made that match amazing to me because he's been around for 20 years. His career is coming to a close soon. He's not going to be around that much longer. So it was just amazing to see 40 years on from Noat, the French Open, when the, when, and there's been no French winner since then. There's not, not going to be a French winner this year, but at least to see that amazing comeback that really riled fans up, that was great to see as well. So, um, just just awesome. So many w- crazy winners to end that match out. So that was my just adrenaline rush of the tournament. Yeah, <laughs> I, and shout, shout out to you on the comms as well, because you, uh, I think you brought the energy. Uh, Anthony going absolutely ballistic <laughs> in the, <laughs> for the comms. And, uh, it's just me watching <laughs> because I, it. <laughs> I grew up like a huge Von Feast fan, and I was just just me watching that was crazy, and the chat helped as well, but that was a blast. <laughs> yeah, that, that was um, yeah, that was a great stream, actually. I was uh, yeah. Uh, good sure. match as well very very good match coming back from behind in that in that fifth set and um yeah gene said match the tournament for me was Srinlo versus runa yeah um david pat we, who wants to go first yeah go yeah i'll take it um yeah i mean monfi versus Baez, that was definitely um the fans match or like the fans yeah. favorite match i think of the tournament you know cramping home crowd down for love, like what more can you want to win the next seven of the eighth game, seven of the eight games? Um, the other one I put, I guess we mentioned it before, was Thiago Sabathwad. 
Um, yeah. You know, taking it, the crowd was ecstatic. The forehand winners were ecstatic. It was just forehand after forehand after forehand, and it didn't stop. Um, so, yeah, credit. The two tie breaks in there, 53 games in total um, for five sets. That's pretty insane. Yeah, no, I agree. That was that was giving you my pick. That's, that was a fantastic match for sure. Uh, David? Um, well, echoing a bit what Anthony said, there was there was not really any epics in the, the latter stage of the, the tournament, which was yeah. a bit disappointing. Um, Alcaraz match kind of ended being uh, like a contest prematurely. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit tough this year thinking of like standing standout matches. I guess a standout match for me watching Alcaraz just completely obliterate Tsitsipas was just like something to be to behold to be honest mm. like and it could have been 626162 it could have it could have been less than 6 games for Tsitsipas the entire um quarterfinal it was yeah. just utter dominance and um yeah it was it's just a display of what Alcaraz can do it was just as as people have said and mentioned before, the the head to head every single match, uh, it's just getting worse and worse for Sissipas. Yeah, as he, he just he has no idea what to do, and um, yeah, I hope that they'll get a bit tighter. But Alcaraz just showing his supreme quality in that match for sure. Yeah, I don't think the head to heads can get any worse, can it? So, um, <laughs> well, in a sense, that at like the level. Uh, so okay, yeah. I mean, for me, there were there were some really good ones. I mean, one that's very random from the first round of Vavasori. I don't know if you know, but beat Manovic in five sets. But he was two sets of love down, and then the three sets he won were all tiebreakers. So each time he's gone to a tie and and listen to these score lines of the tiebreakers: ten eight, seven three, eleven nine in the three yeah. in the three tiebreakers. <laughs> he won three sets in a row, basically like on a knife's edge. He's like walking a tightrope every time and he's managed to do that. So that was like incredible. And over a seed as well. And Kepmanovic, that was impressive. He was on seed himself. I think Sayworth Wild versus Medvedev was was my pick and Monfils Wise up there as well, of course. Uh Surundolo Runa was good, very good, but mainly due to the uh, drama, I think, because Rune and Srundolo, their levels dropped a lot, a lot during uh, the match. And it was just really weird to watch. But because the levels dropped, it was very competitive uh, because they dropped it around a similar time. And uh, that was very, very interesting to behold um, as well. And Rune obviously got it done in the end of the final set tiebreak. It was dramatic more than anything. Um, and was, actually, we didn't mention someone when we were talking about standouts, but Varillas. He made, I think, the third or third round, I think, against Djokovic. But fourth, 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 fourth round, sorry. Yeah, so he was unseeded. And he beat, like, RBA in a few other seeds on the way. That like ridiculous. And came back from two sets of love down to win those matches. So, like, shout out to him. That was an incredible victory. And he looked pretty good as well. I mean, I, like, I'm not going to say that he's going to go on to win a slam. But, like, you know, he's a solid player. So, good to see him. Yeah, I uh, didn't commentate a single Varias match. But somebody in the chat yeah. said, I'm so happy to see a Peruvian. Make yeah, the, from from a home country win, and that just makes you think like, wow, it's great to see somebody from a country that hasn't really dominated tennis, yeah, really come up. So big for Varias to really step forward and do that. Exactly. Yeah, I, I did. I did the Djokovic Varias match, and I was like, oh, it looks pretty good. Like he's almost like similar style to Djokovic, but just not quite as high level. But it was, yeah, it was definitely enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, Ash said he enjoyed TFO versus Verev. Ash, yeah, how you doing? 
a month feast with Anthony, but he's why he's the number one. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Uh, Sean says, Fakina Djokovic, even though it's straight. Yeah, some grueling tennis there. Her catch versus Greg Sport is great too. Yeah, I think a 15-13 tiebreaker went five as well. So that was definitely um, a good one as well. Uh, right, okay. five setters well, in there as well. There were loads. Was, uh, yeah, insane. opening round as well, wasn't it? It was the first week there were loads. Yeah, it was so, 31 five-setters throughout the whole event. And it was the, the record is 35. So, I mean, 31 is insane. And there was none uh, from, like, quarterfinals onwards. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know, yeah. <laughs> US <laughs> Open a couple of years ago, there was, like, 33 through halfway of the fourth round. And then there was one after that. It's very joke with semifinal. Very similar here. It's crazy. Yeah. So many five-setters. Sure. For sure, for sure. Right, okay, let's get through. Actually, before we get through the questions, anything on the men's side you guys want to touch bottom and uh, finish up on before we get through the questions? I just want to touch upon Holger Rune. I remember yeah. I was watching this in Melbourne. Holger Rune versus Rublev in the fifth set tiebreak. Yeah. Rune was up five love in the fifth set tiebreak. And just seeing him, you know, in the fifth set tiebreak in Roland Garros, I was wondering the same thing because he lost to Rublev in the Australian Open tiebreak mm-hmm. after being five love up. Yeah. And I was thinking it's good to pull, it's good for him that he pulled through this time. You know, maybe it's against Rundle, the, yeah, yeah. yeah, against Rundle. But yeah, just wanted to add that one. It's good to see no, this no, coming no. up. No, I agree, actually. That's a really good point. And especially, I think he was up as well in that one. He was up against Rublev. So it's probably like, otherwise, what happens is you get mental scarring, don't you? Mm. But if it happens multiple times, that's a really good point. Uh, Anthony, David, anything from you guys? Well, and just kind of tied on to that, Runa was amazing in beating Francisco Serendolo in that match. And it was uh, Francisco Serendolo really impressive in this tournament. I actually had him as the upset against Holger Runa. So Runa really impressed me going into that just because I was so impressed. I thought Francisco Serendolo was kind of a sleeper sleeper kind of in that bomb because I thought he was playing such a high tier of play. Maybe I shouldn't have gone with Runa as I just knowing he made two clay masters finals, but I was just really impressed with Serendolo and how he was like slamming that forehand like crazy. One of the best forehands I felt like on tour as uh, going into RG. So um, just shout out Serendolo because I think he's one to watch in the future as well. Yeah, and a good, good shout. Right, okay. Uh, David, anything from you? Um, not to end the discussion before the questions on a bit of a whimper, but um, <laughs> very disappointing seeing Draper um, and more injuries for Draper. It just oh, yeah. gets worse, doesn't it? Retirement yeah. first round. And then I think it was confirmed... Other day, he's not going to play Wimbledon either. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. just it's awful. Awful for Draper. Yeah, because he started to play some really good tennis. And I was like, oh, okay, he's gained some form. So, it's a shame. But hopefully, back to his best. Obviously, mm-hmm. Pat saw him and got the intro for, for the channel. So, hopefully, he's back <laughs> and playing. So, <laughs> he's not just an injury sick note um, <laughs> when people watch it. But, yeah. He's the quality uh, shot curse. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear right okay on that note let's get to the questions <laughs> okay uh guys well if you haven't asked questions you want then obviously keep keep asking them we'll get through as many as possible and then obviously we'll end it but um yeah thanks for tuning in and sticking with us till the end uh Dutch says do you think Wimbledon could have the same results as the french open so obviously Shvion second of, uh won the women's on the men's Djokovic I'll go first I don't think on the women's side it'll be Shviontek. on the men's side I think it's very likely it's gonna be Djokovic um, but women's side, I'd, I'd be surprised if Shontek wins it. Uh, should we go round, Pat, David, Anthony? What do you guys think? Um, yeah, I mean, considering he is and Djokovic's, like, you know, the amount of slams he's the amount of Wimbledon he's won, I have question marks against both of them. Um, I'm gonna have to do some more digging to Djokovic, um, you know, 
seeing maybe like the rankings and uh, how he's gone in previous Wimbledons. Um, but yeah, not too many opinions at this point, but have some doubt. Nice, nice. That makes sense. Makes sense. And uh, let's see. Uh, Anthony, David, you guys? Yeah, I mean, I kind of tackle your phase uh, uh, on's point. I, I think that like Shriatek, I would be a little bit surprised this year if she was going to do well at Wimbledon. I could see her making a semifinal or a final, or maybe winning it in the next few years. But especially going deep this year, I kind of am expecting maybe a round of sixteen, maybe a quarterfinal. I would be a little bit surprised this year in the uh, on on Sunday of the uh, second week, see her in the major final. But uh, stranger things have happened, especially with such a high tier, great number one player. Um, but, uh, and Djokovic seems like the overwhelming favorite and he seems like the overwhelming favorite because when you think about it, not just the guy who's won 23 grand slams, but he's won the last three slams. He's won the last, or he's won, sorry, not the last three slams, but he's won the last three slams that he's competed in and he's won the Mm -hmm. last, um, four Wimbledons. So those are just numbers that really stack up for you. Nadal's not in who's, who is a very good player at Wimbledon as well, but he's not in. And then, uh, it's just uh, it's it's hard to even think of people you can realistically see beating Djokovic, who was very high level to end this Roland Garros and seems to always figure out a way. So I think Djokovic is overwhelming favorite. I don't think we'll see Kasparud in the final either of uh, Wimbledon, but we'll see. Um, and uh, but Djokovic seems like I think we're going to see three uh, three quarters of the uh, calendar year Grand Slam once again, as we did two years ago. So David. Uh, yeah, so for me, I mean, I don't, I don't really see Eager um, making um, maybe, maybe a quarter, but I don't know about anything further than that because I'm just not confident in her on grass. Like juniors, it's just who's better at tennis. Kind of, it's not really, um, it's not doesn't matter. Um, for Djokovic, I mean. Like Anthony said, who do you really see beating uh, Djokovic on uh, on a Wimbledon court right now? Obviously, I, I guess um, I, I think the the COVID year helped in a in a way. It didn't put the pressure on him to win like a third in a row, um, maybe. Um, but he has to win a third in a row in years anyway. This time, will it will it matter? Will he? Also, uh, what Fazan was saying before about he's never been the front runner. He's never been the front runner in terms of sl- the slam race. I think he'll he'll be motivated, but will it be the same like furious kind of motivation of like this is my divine right to be this at this level in tennis kind of thing? Um, I I do think he'll win it, but um, as for the women's side, I mean. Someone with a stronger serve is, would be my would be my tip. Obviously, it's not exactly a hot take, but maybe a Patrick of Iva, third Wimbledon. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> nice, yeah. Heard it here first. Uh, <laughs> Ariane says Rude has made three Grand Slam finals. What do you think he has to improve to go the distance? Should we each go around and go for give a quick rundown? I think I can go first. I think. Uh, well, it depends on the surface, I guess. But generally speaking, I think he's made improvements on the backhand, but he needs to continue to improve on that. Um, spot serve is pretty good. Shot tolerance could be a little bit better, um, I think. But yeah, the backhand depth um, 
defense on that side as well. And also a slice on the backhand side. I, I don't see it being incredible. I think if he wants to have a lot of success on grass and faster courts, then that probably will help. But serve, I, I don't know how much more he can improve that just because of his height. Uh, I feel like he's kind of already hitting at the apex of the toss and it's pretty good as it is at the moment. I'm not sure how much more room there is to improve on that. But um, And maybe just being able to have slight, slight, slightly more looks on the forehand on quicker surfaces, flattening it out a bit more um, as well. So yeah, that's really my take. Movement is a big one on different surfaces, but again, that's surface dependent. So uh, yeah, should we go David, Anthony, Pat? Uh, yeah, so for me, for Rude, um, he's he's very good at um, taking opportunities to get to these these big finals. Um, that's pretty clear. Um, you don't see um, people like Rublev. All those Rublev's been a bit unfortunate with quarterfinal draw against Djokovic. Often, you don't see a lot of these players making the finals where you see Rude taking those opportunities. I I think. He's he has come up against opponents that are just better than him uh, in general. But, um, the backhand has come on um, definitely better, but for me, it's just beating beating the top five opponents. You just don't you don't see that happening regularly for Rude anytime soon, at least from where I'm sitting. Um, just have a look at his record. He just yeah, highest he beat Zverev in Miami last year, but that, you just you don't see it happening consistently at all at the biggest tournaments, and um, that's what he's going to need to change. Just find some kind of edge over your um, your Alcarazes, your your Djokovic's, which I just don't think he has. Yeah, I, 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 I tend to agree. I was going to mention mentality is a big thing. I think he's he's a guy who has a great mentality, but I think that he needs to improve it against the top guys. And really, I mentioned it kind of with Yannick earlier, um, Sinner, but it, it, he kind of has to have that killer instinct to finish those guys off more. And I think the power is a big thing against top guys like that. And I, I maybe he just doesn't have it. But I think also during this tournament, we saw him hit faster forehands on average in the last few rounds than I think we had seen in a long time, uh, at least this year. He was hitting those forehands enormously. So that would be a big thing to go up against top guys. In the first set against Djokovic, that paved a big difference as well. So um, I think that's a big thing going forward. And back end, you don't even have to say. Back end needs improvement still against the top guys. It's enough against 20, 30 players, uh, top 20, 30 players, when, especially with the other tools that he, possess that he possesses. But against top guys, you need to do better on the backhand, better depth off the backhand for it not to break down as easily. Um, you know, very crafty, creative kind of player. He can, uh, you know, kind of chip or slice and figure something out to kind of work the points. But it really needs to improve that backhand against the top players. There's no doubt about it. Um, if he wants a big chance and to get more pace off the backhand would be a big way to kind of make that leap forward, I would say. Yeah, echoing off like well, yeah, what David and Anthony have just said, like Rude, as we all know, you know, some people know him as the 250 champ. You know, he wins against a lot of the, you know, lo a lot of outside top 10 people or like, you know, a lot of the time, very consistent there. I was just looking at his statistics. I think this is updated. He has a 30% win rate, 10 and 23 versus top 10 at the time. Um, and I was just thinking to, you know, someone who's not in the top three at the moment or not top five, but Holger Rune. 
he has he has a thirteen and nine run, so sixty four, uh, just a, just under sixty percent, I think. Um, so you know, almost double that percentage wise. And if you really want to get into you know Grand Slam finals and win a Grand Slam, the percentage is there. You know, you're going to face the top three, top one opponent even. Um, at some point, you're really going to have to get those percentages up and be more consistent on that side. Um, I do think Rude has a decent mentality. Um, you know, I think going to the days, maybe, you know, as long as Rafa goes, I don't think Rude's going to have any issues um, against you know, many other people. As long as he just gets his percentage up, I think, uh, yeah, there's some hope for him. Yeah, no, very well said from one of you. Thank you. No, some good points. Uh, don't disagree. Um, okay, should we let's get through the rest then? Let's try and speed this up a little bit. Which newcomer in the ATP do you think can adapt quickly in the grass courts and prior to Wimbledon? Okay, should we give newcomer? I guess, uh, give me a newcomer. Should we just say who's gonna who's young and who's gonna do well on grass courts? I think less, less well it is that. Um, if you should we go around and give one player, you don't necessarily have to have a reason, but you can give a quick sentence if so. Uh, who wants to go first? Anyone have anyone in mind? I have I have somebody in mind. Tommy Paul, um, not the youngest player around, but he's kind of new to the grass. Hasn't played a lot of grass matches, but he played. He beat Yannick Sinner in one of the grass leadups to Wimbledon last year. He went into the fourth round without losing a set. He was only him and Fritz had not lost a set prior to the fourth round last year at Wimbledon. His game is very good for grass. He loves coming to net. He likes taking balls off the rise. But I think he's one of these guys that's going to have a really good run at Wimbledon this year. And then coming moving forward, people are going to be be saying, okay, well, Tommy probably might not win the tournament, but he's one of these guys to watch out for at Wimbledon. Don't want to play a seat early. Um, but I'm I think I, I, I would say that watch out even this year. I think that this year that Tommy Paul is, was like seventh or eighth in the race coming into the clay season this year has had amazing results. Final of Acapulco um, lost to Alcaraz in a very high level match in Miami. I believe, you know, he, he's been playing well. Um, I, w- I would say he's somebody to watch out for on grass for me. His game is very like pretty much perfectly suited for grass in my opinion. So he's somebody I would watch out for. Cool. Okay. David. Um, well, I think this is a tough question because we don't really have evidence of any of them on grass. Um, we see that a lot of them with time on their forehand, a lot of, and it's just grass is such a different proposition. Um, well, it is tough because you'd say Jack Draper, um, I'm not sure how much you can rely on Jack Draper to, like from what he's show, what he's showing these first few years of his career, is he going to stay injury free enough to be um, good on grass? Uh, because he looked he looked good, um, especially Queens. He took out Nori, I think, um, the other year and took a set off Djokovic. One of the only people who take a set off Djokovic that Wimbledon. Um, I'd I'd say I'd say Draper. Because he's cool. got um, powerful serve weapons. Yeah, that'd be my, my pick. Yeah, although he's injured, so he won't be playing this year, but <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I'll go Ugo Amber. Um Obviously, has had some decent results on grass. One Harlow a couple of years ago. Uh, has had a dip in form, but looked pretty good so far this year. Picked it up, and he's got a good game for grass. Uh, took Kiros to five two years ago as well uh, in the first round. Unlucky to lose that. Uh, Pat, how about you? Hugo Humber took it out of my mouth. Yeah, oh, yeah. definitely one to watch. Go. That's all you like to hear, right? Okay, 
guys are one hollow though. One, he won hollow, yeah. He did, yeah. What do you that's mean? Cheating. <laughs> Why is that cheating? <laughs> He's still young enough, it's fine. Um, right, okay, let's get through the rest of them. Uh, let's just try and keep the answers a bit shorter because we've got a lot to get through and let's not be here three hours. Um, the fact two players in their mid 30s have dominated the majors in the last two years. What does that say about the quality of the opposition in the ATP? I think it okay, I'll go first. It just I think it just shows that we've got two of the greatest ever players to ever grace tennis court in this generation um at the same time. So it's just unfortunate for the rest of the group. Um they should step it up at some point. Hopefully soon the passing of the torch will happen. But that's my reading. I don't necessarily think it's a weak generation or anything. I don't really don't really subscribe to that kind of rubbish in my opinion. So yeah, that's my, my take. Uh who who else wants to go first or who wants to go first even? Yeah, I, I agree. Um, Nadal and Djokovic, I mean, they may be in their mid-30s, but they don't play like they're in their mid-30s, do they? Um, and you're coming up against two best tennis players of all time, two of the best conditioned athletes and fittest athletes at their age of all time as well. This is like not just in tennis. This is athletes in general. Like They're like the best of the best. So it's not... The fact they're in their mid thirties is the fact they're the best. So yep. I see it. Yeah, and I, I agree as well. I mean, we're we're looking at an era which I don't think we'll ever see the likes of again. And Federer in there as well. I mean, people like to kind of leave him out now, but he was, you know, before him, Sampras made it to fourteen slams, and people said this guy who made it number one five five years in a row. You know, people are never going to catch up to him. This guy who won Wimbledon eight times or seven, seven or eight times, you know, this guy who was really a marvelous, amazing player, Sampras still won the greatest of all time. Can't, you can't compare him to these three guys now, but Federer just on his own accord, just kind of pushed it to 20 grand slams just out of nowhere. He, he wasn't chasing anybody he kind of had to do that on his own accord. So Federer and Nadal and Djokovic, what they've done through 2010 to 2016, only four guys uh, won four different masters from, uh, in that whole time uh, span of time, that wasn't the big four. Only four different masters were won during that whole period of time. Still only like what, 10 guys have won a slam. And I think outside of five guys who have won um, any of the first three majors of the year outside the U S open, I think it's only been Wawrinka Murray in the big three. So we're looking at an era with three all time, great dominant players. And, and people like to say, say weak era this weak era that we're talking about a sport that is incredibly physically and mentally challenging, incredibly, you know, we're talking about the highest level of it. If you, if you can dominate an era, that 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 speaks more to the strengths of three players in a sport that really has very small margins. It speaks more to those players' strength than the weaknesses of some of the highest level athletes in the whole world. So when if we're, we're going to talk about realistically, these all of the players in the top 100 are all amazing players, very difficult to beat for nearly anyone. So... For them to dominate like that just speaks to the amazing longevity and strengths of those three players. And now Nadal and Djokovic. Okay. Pat? Oh, very well said from Anthony. I don't have much to add there. Um, yeah, really well said. Okay, good. I like that short answer. That's what we want. Okay, Matt says, <laughs> do you think Zverev losing the semis of the French Open will, have, uh, will make him have better results? Uh, should we go? Pat, do you want to go first? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Zverev fan, but I don't know if he if he even knows what he's thinking half the time. Um, I think his mentality, you know, can be a bit rough. I know he had some 
issues behind the scenes some years ago. Um, but look, I think he's resetting. Like, you know, his this is the best result he's had all year by far. Um, so, you know, I think it has good things to come for the rest of the year. Okay. David? Um, I mean, yeah, it's been a bit of an interesting year back for Zverev. Um, didn't, like, start off the greatest, but that was always what was going to happen. Semi-final at the French Open. It's definitely encouraging, although the draw was um, pretty kind. Um, how that affects him for grass, I mean... He's never really been proficient on grass. We'll, we'll see how he does. Fourth rounds, I think. He lost to Felix 2021. Um, haven't seen much since then. Um, so, yeah. Um, I think we'll be waiting until um, US hardcore season to see the real kind of Zverev come out, if he's going to come out or not. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I can go and then I'll answer. Do you want to finish up? Uh, Zverev. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play Wimbledon last year, obviously, due to injury. So, pretty hard to say how he'll do this year. I think, generally speaking, though, his game has... I haven't been too impressed with his game on his comeback. I think he's kind of gone back to his cautious first approach. Uh, a lot of cross-court exchanges, not really going line, not really being adventurous, not trying to, uh, you know push the pace and the rallies and take uh, the impetus in them. So that's been a bit disappointing. Obviously, no work on the second serve either. Um, and I just don't really see any improvements at all. And I get that he said that he's been out, but there haven't been any improvements for quite a few years now. So um, let's see how he gets on. I hope him playing at his best can win a slam, definitely. It's just a question of can he consistently play that way. Um, he will take confidence from making the semifinals, but as you guys said, it's not the best of runs in terms of opposition, but you can only play those in front of you. And the issue will be is that the way that he lost to Rude, will, he'll be a, will be a little bit of a disappointment. So a bit of a bitter taste in the mouth, I think, given that he made semifinals and then lost the way he did. I think that might be a bit, a bit of an issue. So let's see if he gets on at Wimbledon the rest of the year. Hopefully he finds his best form, but I don't think we've seen it yet. Um, but hopefully around the corner. Uh, Anthony? Yeah, so uh, I, I kind of tend to agree. I don't think we've seen the best form. But uh, one thing I will say is that it is encouraging that a year on from him, just with a kind of freak injury in the semifinal last year, that he even could defend those points, I think was seems almost miraculous to me. And to I think some other people as well, I, I thought it would take at least a year for him to find anywhere near his uh, top level. So for it or more than a year. So for him to find it here is really very surprising for me, but uh, kudos to him to even make a semifinal. But, yeah, not, but to not your, uh, too the, much um, the points being made, um, he he had Dimitrov, he had Tiafo, he had Molchan, he had Lloyd Harris, um, who did he have? Echeverry. So he didn't have the hardest run. But um, I will say, uh, for most of the tournament, I didn't think he was playing amazing tennis. I thought he was playing great and better tennis. But that Echeverry match was encouraging for me. I thought he played a very high level in that match. He volleyed very well in that quarterfinal, which I'd never say with like him, who's just definition, aggressive baseliner, not really coming to net very much. But that he came in like 40 times, 70% uh, net points won in that match. 
he played very, very well, and I was uh, I was encouraged by that result. So if he can pick that up going into the North American hard courts, that'll be good. But obviously, disappointing performance in the semis. He's been a bit on and off. The confidence isn't really there. That was kind of an issue, in my opinion, for him anyway at times, especially in big matches. So we'll see going forward. If he can take uh, confidence from that Echeverry match and even volley like he did there, that could pay, some, uh, pay for a good performance on the grass. So let's see. But he'll, uh, he'll have to do better in the quarters than he did in the semis um, of this event going forward. Agreed. Okay. Uh, Hassan says, who do you guys think has the best volleys on the ATP side at the moment? Okay. One name. That's your reason. One name. Go around quickly. Off the top of your head, who's got the best volley? I don't want to hear. I don't want to I don't want you guys to think about it quickly. Quick fire. Who's got the best volley on the ATP side? Pat, go on. Rude. Rude. Oh, I like it. Okay. Anthony. Oh, one name. Uh, Cressy. He serves in volleys. That's uh, <laughs> got to go, gotta go <laughs> with Max name Cressy. Okay. David. <laughs> Alcaraz. Alcaraz. Okay. Nadal. Right. Let's go. Let's go. Rude. Okay. Rude. You know, after all of the hate that Pat's been throwing Rude's way, that he, he sees my throws my bone with the, with the, yeah. <laughs> with the volley. Uh, what do you guys think of the new power tennis couple, Sitsidosa? It's an outrageous question. Uh, nothing really. I mean, they're two tennis players. They're all on tour, always on tour mm. together. It's not a massive surprise. Uh, does anyone have anything else to add to this? I Never do seen. worry about Sitsipas's game and his Twitter. <laughs> his Twitter's going to be even more weird. Uh, I do worry for Sitsipas's Twitter as well. It's going oh to only God. get worse. <laughs> it's already oh, bad well, enough. I don't know if that's going to get any better, to be fair. Uh, can it get any worse? Oh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe, right. Okay, I think I think that's all. We've got some just real comments here, not really questions. Uh Really impressive Rue's timely net approaches and Chris Volley's Chris net approach, I guess. Backing up Pat's point, which is all good. Novak is demonstrating and substantiated over and over again that power is overrated. Consistent depth and ability to effortlessly change direction overcomes ruthless hard hitting. Agreed. I think actually Rob Keogh said when he was coming up as a tennis player, uh, he wishes he had worked more on his depth and his ground strokes than power. Because now he watches Djokovic and he thinks it. I guess uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing. Uh, Max says, uh, I hope Casper can win a Masters 1000 title. I'm sure he will. I think he'll win a slam as well. Um, but yeah, I'd be surprised if he doesn't win at least a Masters 1000. And any other questions here that I missed? There was someone uh, talking about uh, Fritz and his, uh, his. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, way. yes, you're right. Yeah, I was surprised when Fritz. Oh, oh. That's okay. I was surprised uh, with Fritz versus the French crowd. Okay, that's a good point to finish up on. Uh, so yeah, Fritz Good versus job. the French crowd. Who was in the right? <laughs> go on, let's go around. Fritz, uh, Fritz, Fritz knew what he had to do. If a crowd is going to go out a player, then the player has the right to go out a crowd. That's what I say. I, I yeah. think I think most fans like the drama. They, they 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 do enjoy the drama. And if we completely go away from that, then I think we're really missing a good point for the sport, especially in such an emotional sport. Fritz, I liked what Fritz did because he didn't show a single bit of emotion until he had the until he had the win in his hand. When he had the win in his hand, you know, he said, "You know what? I can do whatever I want now. I can do whatever I want. Y'all can't speak to me now." Yeah, the problem is when you do that, then you lose. That's the problem. (laughs) No, I know exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's kind of the thing. I mean, some people say, "Oh, like rile up a crowd, this or that." But I think the player has the right to go out. 
Got it. I think Fritz, I, I I liked what Fritz did. I like what he did there. See, Djokovic does it a lot. Like our against Alcaraz, the crowd were booing him yeah. and stuff. And I like you know he. he it's more he, of a stare down. No, no, he he does no, no, he does the classic, which is he'll once the crowd's done that. Next point, he'll if he wins it, he's like he go, he'll be like he'll roar and he'll be like come on like really loudly like right into yeah, like, yeah. the crowd's face like which is crazy uh, to say he's only one person, but he'll literally be like yeah and he's like really over like he'll go really over the top. And um, I'm just thinking in that moment, I'm like, well, what if you lose the match? But then obviously he's so good, he always ends up winning most of the time. He's so not going to lose the match. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but he just uses it to his advantage. But yeah, I look, I'm the same opinion. If someone's going to boo you, then I don't understand why. Or like they're going to be completely against you. There's no real reason that you can't do it. Like, I don't know what they expect. They do. If the crowd don't expect him to bite back, then... You shouldn't yeah, do it in the yeah. first place, and if you don't want that, so that's my my view anyway. Uh, David and Pat, should we go David and then Pat, and then we'll wrap up. Um, so um, I don't know if you guys know this, but Fritz's um, girlfriend has a YouTube channel where she kind of does behind the scenes. Um, she yeah, yeah. does little vlogs of um, sometimes Fritz's matches, um, and she was <laughs> talking about. Um, she's like, normally I wouldn't want him to do that, but I'm glad it was after the match that he shushed the crowd. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. I I think um yeah, Fritz was well within his rights and we don't we don't have enough like shushing and crowd interaction. More the more Medvedev um crowd rolling up kind of thing, the more Fritz shushing the crowd the better in my opinion. Yeah, Pat. Yeah, I don't have too much to add there. I know um I was surprised Rune didn't do something similar to that because I know Rune likes to be the um Aggressive, they do the the French, uh, yeah. I mean, the French crowd are a unique bunch, let's say. Uh, so I think they uh, they they like Runa, I think, playing the villain a little bit. He's quite edgy as well. I think the crowd are a bit edgy as well. Uh, that might be why, to be fair. Um, but yeah, no, interesting. Rune is an interesting character, he's 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 so like. He's so kind and naive, like when the interviews after and stuff and before, like he just he's like a little kid. And I, I see through. It. I he's see like, through. Yeah, David hates <laughs> Runa. Classic. Um, Hassan says, not sure if you're taking more questions, but what's the matter with Djokovic? Is smash big submission? <laughs> you know what? We could be we could be here all day for this question, so I think we'll leave that because uh, that's probably arguably the only weakness that Djokovic has in his game is the overhead smash. Um, and I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not going to pretend that I full five-hour podcast that. on that. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> I think let's leave it there because that's. I think it's more up here than anything else. He knows that it's just something, something weird that obviously has always been in his career. But you're not going to start lobbing the ball up, are you, for him to smash? <laughs> that's stupid as well. Right. Okay, uh, guys. Thank you very much for sticking with us. I know a lot of people have come and gone as well from the chat. Uh, Pat, David, Anthony, thank you for your time as well. It's been uh, longer than expected, yeah, but thank you. great to have yeah. you guys on. Appreciate it. And uh, if you are still watching, we are going to be doing, uh, well, myself and Gil will be doing a Roland Garros review, which I'll be recording uh, in the next few hours at some point, and we'll release it tomorrow and uh, now. So, yeah, keep an eye out for that as well. It'll be recorded, though, it won't be live. So, yeah. Late night uh, for you then. <laughs> yes, yeah, really late night. Yeah, exactly. I'll be going to sleep at like 2 3 a.m. So look forward to that. Uh, cool. Okay. I'll speak to you guys soon. Thank you, all of you, as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. See you later. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, guys. See ya.